Where the unknown is the goal, the discovery is the joy, the journey is the destination. Welcome to The Ravine, part of Osiris Media. Explorations in Atonal Fish. My name is Brian Brinkman, co-host of the Beyond the Pond podcast. I'd like to invite you on a new journey to explore the muddied segments of improvisational brilliance and transgressive discovery that dot Fish's near 40-year career. Discourse and debate will be left aside, as the goal here is listening and understanding the steps Fish has taken to better communicate with each other and evolve at their own pace without ranking, comparisons, or context. Like that mysterious radio show you heard on that random station at 3 a.m. while driving through. What state am I in? The ravine will come and go from your feed, but the magic and ambivalence will be sure to coax you in. Episodes will drop monthly on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, but perhaps with more frequency as inspiration allows. Keep the dial tuned towards the ravine. We'll look forward to you joining this journey in early July 2020. BTP listeners, I don't know about you guys, I could live without fish more easily than I could live without caffeine. I'm not proud of it. There's a literal film over my brain until I swig that first cup in the morning, usually followed by four other cups throughout the day. It's not a cheap hobby. Until recently, I was a Grady's skeptic, but now I am a full-blown believer in the power of Grady's cold brew. Order online and get their famous New Orleans-style iced coffee delivered straight to your door. Just add water to their all-in-one kit and get 36 servings of cold brew for less than a dollar a cup. We'll save you a ton of money, also a ton of time. You won't have to socially distance in coffee shop lines because Grady's dispenses directly from your fridge. Already cold and completely customizable for your perfect cup. There's going to be a literal bag of New Orleans-style cold brew in your fridge that comes from a spigot. The only thing that's missing is the second-line brass band and powdery beignets. Given that things are getting a bit colder here on the East Coast, there's also the option to brew it hot. Brady's Cold Brew is independently owned and operated in New York City since 2011. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code BTP20. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com. Type in BTP20 and you get 20% off. I love this stuff. In fact, I think I'm going to go have some Grady's Cold Brew right now. Having a lawn is awesome. Maintaining it, not so much. It gets tiresome and expensive, and you should be enjoying it as opposed to constantly mowing it. That's where Sin Lawn comes in. 
The city lawn is environmentally friendly. There's no watering. No use of pesticide products, no mowing, it's very low maintenance, and you save money. Sinlaw uses bio-based ingredients such as soy and sugarcane. It's made in the USA in the state of Georgia. They're the largest manufacturer and installer of synthetic grass. And they have USDA bio-based certification. It's the safest and cleanest turf available. Great for kids and pets. You get no muddy shoes, socks, or paws. Professional and certified distributors and installers nationwide. You get a premium quality product, which is highly durable and UV stabilized. You get your free time back. You can enjoy your yard instead of working to maintain it. And you can have it in your yard where grass will not grow. It's green all year. It's really great for residential homes, playgrounds, roofs, agility, golf. You want a golf hole in your backyard and many more projects. So please visit sinlawn.com slash beyond that's s-y-n-l-a-w-n.com slash beyond get a lawn you can be proud of all the time be the pride of your neighborhood don't be that one guy in your neighborhood with the brown lawn who the neighbors gossip about over tea or even better up your short game in a major way your golf buddies and your neighbors will thank you sinlawn Folks, I'm David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. You are tuned in to episode 112 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is the podcast in which, generally speaking, Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish as a means of getting a listener to listen to other bands. These are usually not jam bands because we love Fish. We are Fish fans. You know the drill. Sometimes Fish fans get a bit myopic. Only pay attention to their favorite band. We're trying to do something about that. And in this episode, we're doing a lot about it because there's a lot of other bands and barely any fish at all. It's very true. Even in a year in which there were only four fish shows and somehow fish put out one of the best albums that they have ever made, we're going to talk about a limited amount of fish tonight. Why? Because this is our favorite episode of the year. This is our episode where we get to take off our fish deep dive hats and put on our music connoisseur hats, our collective community hats, and sit back, take a scan back at the year that was and (laughs) what a year it was. And uh, we get to talk about our favorite albums of 2020, as well as share in some of our listeners and close friends' favorite albums of 2020. Yeah, I'd say it's just kind of a weird year. A little That's bit. It's underselling it a bit. A little bit. Anyway, in this episode, we're going to go through our honorable mentions for 2020, our top live streams of 2020, of course, the Beyond the Pond community top albums, and our top albums of 2020. 
And on that note, let's get to something other than fish. Welcome, welcome to the end of 2020. (laughs) Boy, I hope that this is the end of 2020. I hope that this is not a mirage, I'll tell you that much. It's been a very intense and stressful year. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, But before we jump into kind of what our thoughts are on 2020 music, we wanted to highlight one of the most glaring and important points of 2020 music. And that is the relative absence of live music. Uh, I saw one concert in 2020. I was supposed to see many more. I had many tickets to shows throughout 2020. But I saw one show on the 4th of January, uh, American Aquarium, opening up the year, their annual show at the Bluebird here in Denver, Colorado. Fantastic show. And then from there, it was all live streams. Live streams. And archive streams dominated what it was like to take in music in 2020. Um, both Dave and I watched a lot of dinner and movies. We watched a lot of the shakedown streams that the dead put on. But I think it's most important for us to focus on some of the inventive ways that artists figured out how to bring their music to us, the listener. Uh, there was a huge glut of live music for probably the first four or five months of uh, quarantine and sometime around midsummer, people kind of figured out what they could do in the live setting. And uh, so we want to highlight some of our favorite experiences watching live streams. David, what were three of your favorite live streams that you took in in 2020? Off the top of my head, I would say, um, let's see. Riley Walker and his trio format did one recently from the stage of Le Poisson Rouge in the West Village, uh, November 10th, 2020. Of course, it featured uh, Ryan Jewell on drums and a bass player who I apologize, name I can't recall. That was great. They had uh, the Riley Walker classics. They had some uh, new songs off of his forthcoming record that sounded fantastic. That was the full LPR light show, maybe um, even like a steam machine or two. That was great. Let's see. Loka Kani, Adam Wiener, had his uh, his Tough Cookies live streams. This one was from uh, November 7th, 2020. Very special date, of course, November 7th being the first of several times that Joe Biden was announced the winner of the 2020 <laughs> election. We figured that uh, Wiener would have something to say about that. And uh, my whole family watched that live stream at 6 p.m., kicking off from uh, his living room. With many, many curse words that my six-year-old delighted to, but that was okay. If there's anyone who uh, may have actually gained fans during the pandemic, it's Low Cut Connie. It's Adam Wiener's done some fantastic live streams. Really good at self-promotion. Uh, that was great. 
And then the third that comes to mind is, of course, uh, Night 6 of Trey Anastasia with the Beacon Jams. Night 6 being the night that um, he kicked off with You Enjoy Myself with the great female backing vocalists. Um, that was probably my favorite night of uh, the eight that he did that had a really fantastic version of two great versions of Moment Dance, Breaking Out the Fish songs. Trey really stepped the fuck up with his Beacon Jams, man. I gotta say. Not that I figured he wouldn't, but um, those were a bomb. I look forward to them every Friday evening. Absolutely. Um, so I've got, way back in the springtime, uh, I took a stab at executive producing a couple of live shows couple of them went really well, uh, but my favorite of the group that I worked on was um, Saraselka on Easter night, April 12th, 2020. This is a Chuck Johnson-led duo. Chuck Johnson is an incredible pedal steel guitarist, uh, dabbles in ambient music. Um, I remember watching this and watching the chat come in, uh, and there was a bunch of people tuning in from literally all around the world. And it was kind of one of those early moments in quarantine where I felt like this is really hard, but this may actually be okay because there is this interesting aspect of connection that's happening and kind of made me realize the first of many times what this all, like the one benefit of all this is that we have the internet and we have technology that allows us the opportunity to share in experiences like this together, which if a pandemic like this happened 20 years ago, we simply wouldn't have. So uh, that was an absolutely fantastic show. I really loved that. Uh, the next one, uh, you talk about Loka Connie bringing on fans. I totally agree with you that in 2020, I would say the other band that has in some weird way benefited from 2020 is Goose. Uh, I am a Devoted Goose fan at this point in time. I've been doing my own personal tour through uh, every Goose show since um, early 2019. And they put on the bingo tour back in June, which was, in all reality, probably the first truly successful live stream tour uh, that any band attempted um, uh, here in 2020. They incorporated the game Bingo within it very interactive and they played these fantastic shows some of which got a bit overtaken by the game itself um i think the first one that i watched got was pretty heavily overtaken by the actual game that was i think the first weekend but the second weekend the friday night show had an absolutely incredible second set uh one of my favorite shows i've heard of theirs and uh, one of my favorite live tour their live streams i saw throughout the entire year uh, and then finally, the second to last Trey Anastasio Beacon Jam show from November 20th. This was the classic tab show. This was the 01 to 03 classic tab jams thrown down, some extra just oomph thrown in there. I mean, it felt like I am not by any means like a tab stats guy. I don't really follow tab set list. I don't really listen to tab outside of like shows I go to and outside of like a very tight window of 01 to 03. This felt like my special spot. I mean, my first fish related show was July 21st, 2001. Train Anastasio band at Alpine Valley. And uh, this brought me back to that.
first, before we uh, kick off, we want to do some shout outs to the guests that we had on Beyond the Pond in 2020. I'll just get it kick off. Um, I think back in February, thanks to Kevin Finkel, David Rosmer, and Elizabeth Nesselrode, episode 88, Broadway and Fish. Stephen Hyden, episode 90, we talked with our, uh, our top sets of fish in 2019. Baseball player Sean Doolittle, Deadhead Fish Head Extraordinaire, episode 1992, baseball, nah, episode 92, Baseball and Fish. And then episode 93, we talked about the Columbia Funky Bitch with Ryan Jewell, our drummer buddy. And then we brought on uh, Kevin Finkel once again talk about the uh, Saratoga number line from 2009. It was episode 96. Kevin, also in the episode, he talked about being a frontline worker in Connecticut. He's an anesthesiologist dealing with uh, coronavirus patients. What else we got, Brian? So our very next episode, we were joined by PJ Rudolph, um, who had joined us in 2019. Uh, here he joined us for our, I think it's our fourth installment of a single band deep dive. We talked about Pavement. We went through every single Pavement record and then a bunch of Malcolmus records, which was really fantastic. I listened to a ton of Pavement in the spring now that I remember that, watching a ton of Pavement YouTube uh, videos as well. Um, episode 98, Bob Kerr joined us to talk about the fantastic Radio City Ghost from 2000. Uh, episode 100 was hosted by the one... The only Tom Marshall, our future co-host and uh, narration extraordinaire on the Undermine podcast, soon to come here in 2021. Uh, he hosted episode 100, which was an AMA, an Ask BTP Anything. Uh, and then we were joined the very next episode, our good buddy Wade Wilby, for a fantastic episode that he curated, Break Beats of a Feather, where we talked about wonders of john fishman and fish break beats uh, across uh, uh, their jamming as well as the history of breakbeat playing uh, a few episodes later we were joined by matt dwyer uh, as well as tom marshall again for a two-parter diving into the genesis of fish where we talked about the connections between the band genesis and fish and then did a full deep dive into genesis which i guess We've now done five of these, which is crazy. Uh, that was a huge, huge learning experience for me. And in the very next episode, we were joined by uh, Drew Hitz and Don Hart uh, for a fantastic discussion on the David Bowie from uh, the Mann Music Center in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then talked about classical music and uh, classical music examples related to fish. So, obviously... Don Hart being the genius who put together the incredible Rescue Squad string arrangements yes. for the recent Trey Beacon Jam. So if you want to go back and hear a little about the man's process, uh, yeah, check out episode 105. That was a great episode. That was an awesome episode. Seriously, we put out Pandemic or not, we fucking brought it in 2020, man. We did. We did. We had some awesome episodes. And... Um, uh, while we put out a few less here in the fall, they were fantastic because we were collaborating with our future co-hosts. We covered uh, October 2000 and November 95 uh, across the entire month with Under the Scales and HF Pod, which was a ton of fun as well. Um, so let's get to some music, huh? We've talked through our feelings about this year. 
giving shout outs to all you wonderful people who decided to agree and come on our podcast. There is so much music, as we have stated, so, 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 so much music this year that it doesn't all fit in a top 20, top 10 list. So we wanted to run through what we call our honorables, just missed the cut, overlooked, still must hear records. David, run us through your list of records in that category. Okay. I have Pacific Range, High Up on the Mountain, Lydia Loveless, Daughter, Nick Mitchell Maiato, Pino Carrasco, of course, uh, Nick being a member of the Indie Jam Supergroup 111 Heavy. This is uh, his solo records, very good. Torres, Silver Tongue, Paul Bearer, Forgotten Days. Excellent doom metal band. Wrighton. Uh, they put out a record called Crater's Call. The Killers. Imploding the Mirage. That was their big War on Drugs tribute record. I listened to that exclusively for like five days. Yola Tango. We have Amnesia sometimes. My Morning Jacket. Waterfall Part 2. David Nance. Staunch Honey. That's a recent excellent album. Rolling Blackouts. Coastal Fever. Sideways New Italy. Sonic Boom, All Things Being Equal, Zephaniah O'Hora, Listening to the Music, that's uh, for classic country fans, you need to check that album out, Cut Copy, Freeze Melt, Secret Machines, Awaken the Brain Chamber, Fleet Foxes, Shore, Doves, their, uh, their comeback record, The Universal One, Luke Elliott, The Big Wind, Black Thought, Streams of Thought, Volume 3, Cain and Abel. There's a, a good 41-year-old dad rap album. Drive-By Truckers, The New OK. Actually, their second album they put out this year. They also put out The Unraveling in January. I preferred The New OK, although both were very, very good. Finally, I have ACDC, Power Up. Yes, there was a brand new ACDC album in 2020, it sounds just like an ACDC record, and it has a song called Money Shot. So ACDC can, ACDC can go to their grave knowing they put out a song called Money Shot. I was shocked that they hadn't used that title before, but they hadn't, but now they have. Amazing. So, and I wouldn't have it any other fucking way. Incredible. Um, all right, so I decided to list this out in my... Um, I, I made a top 50 list. I'm going to share that on Twitter. I'm going to share a playlist along with it as well. But I'm just going to go through my 40 through 20 here um, just to give you kind of a glimpse of what this looks like for me. So number 40 for me, I have Taylor Swift's Folklore. Fantastic record with uh, Aaron Dessner. Bonavera plays on that as well. Uh, 39, I told Dave that this was going to end up on my list. Bruce Springsteen's Letter to You. Uh, I would say it's his best record since Magic. Um, it made me feel things I thought were not possible with a Bruce Springsteen record to come out post 2007. Fantastic album. Uh, needs a Shooter, great song. One of my favorite songs of the year. Uh, great song. And the documentary on Apple TV, it's all it's, it's good enough to make you want to get an Apple TV subscription. It is so, so, so moving and endearing and about love and friendship and being in a band for 50 years. It's incredible. Uh, 38, Phoebe Bridger's Punisher. 37, Rose City Band, Summer Long. This was a vibe of summer album. 
36, Jerry Garcia Bands, Garcia Live, Volume 13, Poplar Creek, 1989. I couldn't stop listening to this record. It was a total vibe for me when I was opening up the windows in like May, June, July, getting out of like the pandemic spring, feeling alive again, grilling, sitting out by a fire. It was fantastic. 35, Stephen Malcolmus, Traditional Techniques. Um, this is where my list becomes like, these are some of my favorite records of the year, and this is what makes 2020 so hard to rank. 34, Garcia Peoples, Nightcaps at Wit's End. 33, Katie Pruitt, Expectations, absolutely beautiful record. 32, I loved the Drive-By Truckers, The Unraveling. I had a moment with this record at about 5 o'clock in the morning while waiting in line to get... Um, to an airplane to fly to Idaho on February 7th. Uh, 31, Coulter Wall, Western Swing and Waltzes and Other Punchy Songs. Another record I had a moment with, driving back across the uh, Midwest from Chicago to Denver, trying to tear across a COVID-infected uh, Midwestern area. Listening to that as the sun was setting over the Rockies was pretty empower, pretty pretty incredible for me. Uh, 30, Matt LaJoy, Everlasting Spring. We love you, Matt LaJoy. We love you. Thank you so much for the music you make. Uh, 29, Real Estate, The Main Thing. 28, Fleet Foxes, Shore. 27, Goose, The Ted Tapes, Volume 3. I love The Ted Tapes, man. This is like some of my favorite areas to hear Goose. And they're wild jams that you hear the band just like connecting and communicating and growing. They have such a great way of playing with color and playing with melody and I, I'm just so, so, so impressed by what this band can do. And I love how they're releasing these just like snippets of their jams. Um, 26, Terry Allen and the Panhandle Mystery Band, just like Moby Dick. Probably my favorite record in January. 25, one of my absolute favorites, Bill Callahan, gold record, incredible album. Uh, 24, Fiona Apples, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Probably the biggest record of 2020, I would say. Like when this came out, it was a moment. Uh, 23, wrapping this part of the, uh, Chris Forsyth, Dave Harrington, Ryan Jewell, and Spencer Zahn, First Flight. This uh, was from Chris Forsyth's fantastic New Blue Residency back in September 2019. Remember Residencies? Fucking Forsyth did one in September of 2019. Garcia Peoples did one in October of 2019. Riley Walker did one in March of 2019. 2019 was such a moment for all these artists to just, like, play music over and over, week after week after week in these settings. It's fantastic. This is two jams. Chris Forsyth, Dave Harrington on lead guitar is a unbelievable. Uh, I was there. It was great. Dave was there. I have that Dave was there. Yep, I was there. Uh, 22, Bonnie Light Horseman. Bonnie Light Horseman. Uh, this came out in January, and I still don't understand how it is so devastating and beautiful. It's just, it's too much. Um, 21, they had to be here somewhere. War on Drugs, Live Drugs. I can't deny a good thing. War on Drugs taking fantastic studio-produced songs and playing them in a fantastic, big, big, big way in a live setting. Uh, and then Adam Grandshield tinkering over the best segments of performances and matching them up. Just unreal. There was a weekend uh, in November where I listened to the, this record just like on repeat, basically. And I remember a friend of mine texted me and saying... It just won't go loud enough. I just want it in my veins. And I know I felt. (laughs) 
Alright. We are going to lead into now some Beyond the Pond community favorite albums. First off, we've got our good buddy Sam Timberg at Twitter, on Twitter, at Sam Timberg. He's got an honorable mention. Strand of Oaks, Ambient for Change. Hey, Tim Showalter. How you doing, buddy? Honorable mention, Fish, Sigma Oasis. Number five, Built to Spill. Built to Spill plays the songs of Daniel Johnston. Number four, War on Drugs, Live Drugs. Number three, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Number two, Tom Petty, Wildflowers, and All the Rest. Number one, Bonnie Light Horseman. Remember, I think I saw Sam at a concert in February, and he told me that he knew his number one record would be Bonnie Light Horseman, and it was. <laughs> I dreamed a dream the other night. No lands away, no lands away, my John. Dreamed I saw my own true love. Next we have our friend John McGar. He's on Twitter at High Pockets. Honorable mention, Dead, Flower of Devotion. It's Dead, D-E-H-D. Very good Chicago-based band. My Morning Jacket, The Waterfall Part 2. Fish, Sigma Oasis. John McKeel, Bobby Joe Hope. Pacific Range, High Up on the Mountain. Also, number one, Bonnie Light Horseman. Dallas Way. Don't think he's on Twitter. He's got in no particular order Blake Mills, Mutable Set, Salt, Untitled, Rise, Freddie Gibbs, Alfredo, Grammy nominated rap album, Bill Callahan, Gold Record, and M I K E, Mike, Weight of the World. When work ain't been working all day. Why don't you come on home for lunch and stay? We'll start working for love. So keeping this rolling, we got uh, Jason P. Woodbury uh, on Twitter, at Jason P. Woodbury. Really excellent uh, editor and podcaster over at Aquarium Drunkard. Um, become friends of ours over the uh, last year. He is the host of the fantastic radio show, Range and Basin. Um, I listened to that. It was pretty much, I mean, throughout the entirety of 2020, that was required listening for me. Uh, huge inspiration as I launched a second show for myself here in 2020. Uh, that show comes out every third Sunday of the month over on Dub Lab. Um, his list in no particular order, Sun Ra Orchestra, uh, Swirling, Bill Fay, Countless Branches, Bob Dylan, Rough and Rowdy Ways, Destroyer, Have We Met, and Gil Scott Heron and Micaiah McRaven were new again, uh, which is an update on Gil Scott Heron's phenomenal 2010 record I'm new here.
from there, we go to Brian Lee Weaver. Brian Lee Weaver is on Twitter at Brian Lee Weaver. Uh, we, he was on our show back in episode 81, Tacos and Jams with Brian Lee Weaver. He is the head chef over at the Redheaded Stranger in Nashville. If you're in the area, order some takeout tacos, some of the best tacos I've ever had. Cheeseburger's fantastic. Uh, Queso Dip's fantastic. It's just an unbelievable spot. Um, his favorite records this year were Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Bob Dylan's Rough and Rowdy Ways, Sturgill Simpson, Cutting Grass, Volume 1, Pop Smook, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, and DaBaby, Blame It on DaBaby. I think it goes without saying, Brian, that um, when the pandemic is largely over, we're going to Redheaded Stranger, and we're going to walk in, and we're just going to say, give me all of the breakfast tacos. Everything. Like Ron Swanson in Parks and Recreation saying, give me all the eggs and bacon you have. Everything. Everything. I, Everything. We were supposed to do a live event um, at the Redheaded Stranger this summer for the Nashville show, along with HF Pod. And uh, our buddies, Stephen Hyden and Rob Mitchum over at 36 from the vault. Alas, 2020 stole that from us. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Evil is a relay spot when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. Up next, Kathleen Hinkle. Kathleen was on episode 31, The Great Curve. And we dedicated episode 76 to her, the Vancouver Tweezer. You can find Kathleen on Twitter at Van City Visuals and at Mike Side Dykes. Uh, her five favorite records. Number five, Bob Dylan's Rough and Rowdy Ways. Alicia Keys' Alicia. Lucinda Williams' Good Souls' Better Angels. Number two, Fish, Sigma Oasis. And number one, Krongbin, Mordecai. And then we got Joel Burke. Joel Burke has been our resident uh unheralded overlooked uh fantastic zone out gems for the last couple of years he has always given us a number of recommendations here you can find him on twitter at pfcidb he runs the sweep lag blog that's a tumblr site and he uh performs on bandcamp at rage nap you should really check out some of his stuff dave and i both picked up some of his vinyls this year uh he does really fantastic zone out just 
explorations of some of his favorite songs as well as some larger jams in full. Um, his favorite records, the next three, Andrew Weathers Ensemble, The Thousand Birds in the Earth, The Thousand Birds in the Sky, Alabaster to Bloom to Cyan Lee, Instrumentals Volume 1, Dustin Lorenzi's Snake Time, Behold, and the Gun Trzinski duo, Soundkeeper. Next, we've got Paul Saylor. He's on Twitter at Coltrane1973. Got number five, Nothing, the Great Dismal. Of course, Nothing being the great Philadelphia Doomy Shoegaze band led by Dominic Palermo. And uh, the Great Dismal is their recent album. Adds some like Sisters of Mercy goth beats to the Shoegaze sound. It's very good. Number four, Fleet Fox's Shore. Number three, Jason Isbell and the 400 Union. Reunions. Very good record. Kind of came out earlier this year. Number two, Waxahachie, St. Cloud. Number one, P.B. Bridgers, Punisher. I guess we're leaving town again. We're moving out, moving in. Gotta break the news to all my friends, but they won't care. They'll just find another face to fall behind, take my place, and run away. Second base and just stand there. We have Mike Shields on Twitter at Mike Shizza, M I K E S H Z A. He's the editor in chief at Across the Margin. Number five, Run the Jewels, RTJ4. Number four, Bonnie the Light Horseman. Number three, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Number two, Salt. Untitled, parentheses, Black Is. Number one, Waxahachie, St. Cloud. McCarthy Canards, not on Twitter, I don't think. Number five, Tyler Childers, Long and Violent History. Of course, that being kind of the uh, surprise Tyler Childers album, which came out a few months ago. Number four, Phoebe Bridgers, Punisher. Number three, Haim, Women in Music, Part Three. Number two, Bonnie Light Horseman. Number one, Jillian Welch, Lost Songs, Volume Three. Day off in Kyoto.
All right. So we will have plenty more community top fives. Thank you. I might say this again here, but thank you to everyone who contributes their lists on an annual basis. Some of you have been doing this literally since 2017 when we did our first one of these. It means the absolute world to us to see these lists come in, and uh, we love sharing them. We love reading them out. Um, We are going to transition now into our top 20 albums of 2020. We're going to do this in a couple of segments. We're going to go through our 20 through 11. At some point here, we're going to jump into some more community albums, and then we'll jump into our top 10. Uh, But we're going to kick things off here. Dave, tell me what your 20 through 16 records were for the year 2020. Okay. My number 20 record was Pearl Jam's Gigaton. I think this album came out on March 27th, which is probably (laughs) out of all of the days you could possibly put out a record to have it get swallowed. March 27th is probably the most swallowed date. So Pearl Jam put out a great record. I mean, if you're still on the Pearl Jam bandwagon, which I am, I've never left up and on since 1991, I think this is actually the best album since Yield. It's uh, got a lot of excellent rock songs that I listen to consistently uh, really throughout the year. Good comfort food. It's Pearl Jam. My number 19, Low Cut Connie's uh, Private Lives. Adam Wiener being South Philly's favorite mensch. I think this is probably his best offering of a Jerry Lee Lewis style sounding piano, pounding piano rock to date. He's always fighting for the underdogs. Um, this was a big double record. I think it was about like an hour long, goes on the two vinyls. You know, it has a few more ballads than he's had in the past, but he's actually got pretty adept at singing them as like the Low Cut County project has gone on. He's be actually become a very soulful singer in addition to just like beating the shit out of his piano. And this is, uh, like we said, he's a great live caster. I mean, live streamer, the Tough Cookies shows that he's done through his Patreon have been some of the most things to watch most fun things to watch in 2020. My number 18, Nubia Garcia. Album is called Source in all caps. Probably my favorite jazz album of the year. She's a uh, young British saxophone player with a huge supporting cast. And the album also incorporates lots of elements of dub and drum and bass influences. Also, a lot of it kind of sounds like um, it might have come straight out of Steely Dan's Asia album, especially the title track. Like, there's parts that strike me as kind of like the big drum, the big drum solo, saxophone solo part of uh, Steely Dan's age. It kind of stretched out over minutes at a time. And that's certainly anything, uh, certainly something that anybody would want to hear. So that's a great record. Number 17, Jesse Ware, What's Your Pleasure? Jesse Ware bringing the British Chanteuse. This is actually a really great year uh, for Disco Divas. It had some solid albums from Lady Gaga, who I think probably made her best record since uh, The Fame Monster with Chromatica. Carla Rae Jepsen put out a great B-Sides record. Uh, Rasheen Murphy put out Rasheen Machine. Excellent album. Out of all those albums, I think that Jesse Ware's What's Your Pleasure was the best one. Really great production from James Ford of Simeon Mobile Disco fame. Really excellent takes on uh, Italo Disco. It's a very sexy Studio 54 style record. She's also a really great podcaster in her own right. She does this great podcast with her mom called Table Manners, 
where she uh, invites Luminary from the dance world over for dinner. So, excellent podcast, excellent record. My number 16, Bob Dylan, Rough and Rowdy Ways. I like the whole thing, but to me, side B of this album is like listening to Vin Scully call a Dodgers game <laughs> or listening to my late grandfather talk to me about WW2, especially the songs Goodbye Jimmy Reed up through Key West. I mean, granted, the last song is Murder Most Foul, but I think that's kind of its own thing. In my mind, the album ends with Key West. It's almost like Dylan Lullabies. It's just, I listened to this album quite a bit before going to bed this year, and it's just warm and comforting and perfect, and Dylan just doing the goddamn thing that only Dylan can do. My 20 through 16 looks like this. My number 20 record is Winston CW Good Guess. Uh, This is a very recent release, um, something I had the pleasure of hearing a bit before it came out and have been absorbing a lot here in the late fall. Uh, Winston uh, is the host of the Late Era podcast here over on Osiris. Um, I've really enjoyed his music and his uh, take on music and this record it's a trio record. I talked about it here in episode 111, our just previous out, our previous uh, episode. Talk talk esque atmospheric vibes throughout, mixed with very equally straightforward, but also dreamlike uh, tales of what it's like being in New York City, lost love, um, kind of wondering where you're going, what's happening within your life at that point in time. Um, very much of like a city record to me. The song Broken Drum is something I've been listening to pretty much on repeat since I got the record. Absolutely love it. Um, Cannot recommend this album enough. Number 19, Mary Lattimore, Silver Ladders. It's the most gorgeous harp uh, I have ever listened to. Um, Joanna Newsom, she is not in this sense. She tries to figure out the most beautiful ways to play the harp rather than the most challenging and her atmospheric sounds that come out of her records have been some of my favorite things to listen to over the last three or four years. This was recorded and produced by Neil Halstead of the band Slow Dive at his home studio in England. And it just sounds and feels like what I imagine like a November afternoon in drizzly countryside of England would feel like song sometimes he's in my dreams one of my favorite songs of the year and a song that title aptly fits the sound and the vibe uh number 18 the dead tongues trans transmigration blues ryan gustafson is the former guitarist for his golden messenger and uh, i would say that this is his best record he's put out thus far this just kind of hits where a lot of my feelings were in 2020, uh, wanting a kind of rural, uh, somewhat country, but more just like sitting around a fire, telling stories, hanging out with your friends, passing around some whiskey, 
that type of feel throughout it. It feels like a Hisco the Messenger record. It's probably the best comp I could make to, uh, for, for someone to just get into this is if you like that music, you're going to love this. It's in a very different style, but I think if you hear it, you know, the harp that you hear throughout this, the harmonica that comes in throughout this record, it's like a Springsteen harmonica in the sense that it like makes you feel like you've seen your childhood and your dying day all in one instant in one moment and like makes you feel like the entirety of this small life that you're going to live has been wonderful, has been great, has been meaningful and is okay that it's going to end. And the song Deja Vu, I cannot recommend enough. It's probably, I don't know if it's my favorite song of 2020. No, I'd say it's somewhere in my top five. Uh, 17, Gunn Trzinski duo, Soundkeeper. I love Steve Gunn. I love anything Steve Gunn does. If Steve Gunn is writing a three-minute pop song and singing and playing some guitar on it, I love it. But I really love him with John Trzinski. I love the Gunn Trzinski duo. It's jams and zones and everything else I'm looking for in music. It's really amazing stuff. There's live tracks on here. I believe Dave was at a show uh, where a track on here was played at. Um, the t- Yeah, that was back in in February. Steve Gunn and William Tyler did like a residency where they had a bunch yes. of special guests. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. The title track, Soundkeeper, is something I just can't stop listening to. It's like 16 minutes and one of those just great, just like slow builds. I just can't get enough. Uh, And number 16 for me, Sigma Oasis, Fish. Uh, This is the best Fish record since Round Room. Um, I'm a devoted Round Room snob. I love Round Room. Um, Some people would say it's the best record of theirs since Billy Breathes. Um, The album release of this was one of the few great nights of 2020. Um, I still remember, I think it was their second dinner in a movie. They were playing um, the 7-27-14 Tweezer Fest show, uh, a show that I remember when that was announced kind of being like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch that again. But in late March 2020, that was what everyone needed. We needed to just get drunk on the couch on a Tuesday night and watch a ridiculous fish show. But at set break, they announced that they were going to debut their new album the next night. We knew that Fish had been debuting a ton of new songs throughout 2019. Uh, Vance Powell produces this. It sounds like what you want a Fish record to sound like. It feels like what a Fish record should always feel like. It is live. Fish's drums are massive. Trey's guitar sounds fantastic. And there are jams. And for me, there's no greater accomplishment on this record than Thread. Just an absolutely incredible closer and an incredible interpretation of one of my favorite recent songs from Fish. So, Dave, what are your 15 through 11? My number 15 is a recentish album from a guy who I only became familiar with uh, upon this record, a guy named Charlie Kaplan. I think he's a Brooklyn-based singer-songwriter, also plays in the band Office Culture with uh, Winston Cook Wilson, who Brian had just talked about. The album is called Sunday. I think I first heard this record when it was recommended by Jeff Conklin. And if it's recommended by Jeff Conklin, chances are it's pretty good. 
This album is best described as a gorgeous amble. It's almost, some of it sounds like a reverb heavy Almond Brothers because it has these like interlocking solos that almost kind of sound like what they do like in a song like Blue Sky. The song, the second song on the record being California Days. You want to talk about music that just feels like massaging one's temples. I mean, I've listened to that song California so many times in the past. Yeah. Days. yeah, it's just a gorgeous, soothing song. He has a song in it that does a similar trick called Snow Walk, like stretched out to 10 minutes. It's just really well-written, shimmering, gorgeous pop songs that aren't in a hurry to get anywhere. And it's just been one of the most pure pleasures I've had in uh, in like the past few weeks. So, love that record. Thank you, Charlie Kaplan. Keep at it. Whatever you're doing is great. My number 14 album is uh, probably the album that my entire family would agree on, that we enjoyed. Heim, Women in Music, Part 3. This is a record that I played it a lot. I think if it wasn't for a global pandemic, I would have played it that much more (laughs) because this is a summer record. I think, Brian, I think you texted me or told me that to you, this album sounds like getting out of taxi cabs in Los Angeles. Yes. And that's, you know, that's accurate. Relative to other Heim records, this one had a lot more variety in the song styles. It almost sounds more like demos, where the first two records were very produced, very meticulous, very Fleetwood Mac. This is kind of the first Heim record where it sounds like they sort of focused on, you know, music that was actually like popular now as opposed to like, you know, popular in like 19, uh, I guess 1987 or thereabouts. And, uh, you know, it shows. It's a little woolier, a little more rough around the edges. I mean, people called it Heim's Wowie Zowie which kind of makes sense. But, you know, when the songs hit, they really hit. I mean, it's still a song like The Steps that could only be done by Heim, just like a perfect, perfect, gorgeous single. I think, I mean, Brian texted me and said, this is like probably the best, one of the best songs of 2020. He's entirely right. And I just recently told Brian that when bands start touring again when hopefully the pandemic is over and people can go out in public and not wear masks. One of the first things my wife and I want to do is take our six-year-old to a Heim concert. If that's like, I think her first concert was the Mountain Goats last summer, which she really enjoyed, but we would, uh, it'd be a great family outing would be to see Heim. So, my number 13 album, Hum, Inlet. This was kind of a surprise. Home, of course, being a band, uh, Midwest band from the 90s. I don't think anyone was expecting to put out this amazing comeback record. I think some nearly, God, it was like 20 years since their last record, Downward is Heavenward. Basically, give me all of the pea soup thick 90s guitar gush. Holy shit, the guitars on this record, just like, bury my head in the speaker and blow my eardrums to kingdom come. This just rubbed every thick 90s shoegaze Midwest guitar itch that I had. And I realized that I have to get it on vinyl because I don't have it on vinyl. I've just been playing the shit out of the digital copy on Bandcamp. Awesome, awesome record. My number 12 album, 
Recent one from No Age, Goons Be Gone. Of course, No Age being the Los Angeles-based, long-running, Husker Du-inspired dad punk band. And thus, if it's a long-running, Husker Du-inspired dad punk band, that means it's made for me. <laughs> this was a seriously fun record. Um, they kind of had a comeback of sorts, I think 2018, with their album called Snares Like a Haircut, which was their first album in five years after 2013's An Object. And uh, this album, it just was um, really upbeat, warm, comforting. There are only two dudes. There's a drummer and there's a guitarist. The drummer sings. He kind of sounds a lot like Thurston Moore. Um, the opening song on this album called Sandalwood, I think the uh, great music writer Stuart Berman, great Canadian music writer, I think he described the song as Thurston Moore covering the Velvets, covering Van Morrison's Gloria, which, yeah, it sounds exactly like that. And that's a great song. This is just uh, scratch the Husker Dewish dad punk urges that I really needed to have in 2020. This is an album I'd play in the car. I would play walking down the street when it was sunny out. I just uh, loved it. So my number 11, Moss's TV Sun. Of course, Moss's being... Ryan Jewell's solo project with his fiancée, Danette Bordenkircher. Basically, Ryan Jewell's creativity is only rivaled by his great taste in music. In this sense, German Krautrock and Kosmisch and everything else in between. TV Sun is a kitchen sink record in the best way. It is like a kitchen sink record by your really cool buddy who happens to play every instrument known to man and has the greatest vinyl <laughs> collection ever. And as much as I played this, if I was able to have outdoor backyard barbecues, I would have played it that much more. This is just, you kind of made an amazing backyard like barbecue record. I mean, as much as he has a thing for like 70s, like German psych rock, this just works as like something you can play outside with your buddies, drinking beers, grilling. And it's uh, something I hope to listen to a lot more in 2021 when people can be outdoors again. I mean, outdoors like partying outdoors. My number 15 record was in my top five at the halfway point of the year. And I guess it's only dropped because of so many other great records that have come about in uh, to, in the uh, latter half of 2020, which is kind of the theme of this overall countdown here. So John Moreland, LP5. This was one of my early favorites of the year. I listened to this just constantly throughout the winter of 2020. John Moreland's just got this incredible voice. His storytelling is so salt of the earth. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, like what you're getting out of him is like a John Prine type of look at the world. Um, 
uh, kind of Towns Van Zant in a sense as well, just like very everyman, really incredible way of writing about rural America in uh, the world in the age of Trump. Uh, just incredible stuff. I'm learning how to tell myself the truth. Still crushes me. I have listened to it probably a hundred times this year. It still crushes me. Uh, 14. We have the same 14 record. Uh, Haim, Women in Music, part three. It's my favorite record that Haim has put out. Um, Dave said, uh, and we talked about this kind of earlier in the year, that it is compared, it's called their Wowie Zowie record. Um, that is probably my favorite pavement record. And so it kind of fits. I love this kind of splattering of sound and ideas that comes from Haim. Listen to this while drinking beer outside was a brief, great moment throughout 2020. Um, like Dave said, this reminded me of hopping in one taxi to another. I spent a weekend in LA for work uh, back in February, two weeks before the shutdown. It was the last like free thing that I did. And uh, it was super fun. I got to see our friend Ben Greenfield, eat a bunch of really awesome food. And listening to this record just like brought me back to the feeling of being in LA in winter. The Steps, one of my top five songs of the year. 13, Jeff Parker, Sweet sweet for Max Brown. So Tortoise has become one of my favorite bands over the last few years. Um, I always knew of Tortoise, but I'd never really like gotten it. And when I fi- it finally clicked for me, it just, they're one of those bands that um, kind of scratches an itch for me that uh, I always knew needed to be there. It's this kind of weird mixture of indie, industrialism, jazz, mid nineties, late nineties fish jamming in this like weird soup that feels like riding the L train, uh, kind of in the late evening in Chicago. Uh, this is a very wild record soundscapes, fusions of hip hop and jazz, Jess Parker, the guitarist for tortoise, um, just phenomenal, phenomenal music here from him. The song metamorphosis, uh, was something I just kept coming back through over and over throughout the year. Number 12, Young Jesus, welcome to Conceptual Beach. Uh, This is a fusion of like a Grizzly Bear style chamber pop record with jams. Still haven't figured out. I don't really want to. It's kind of one of those records where I'll look at my phone while I'm listening to it and be like, huh, we're in the middle of a song. And I'll listen a little bit longer and be like, oh, we're in a new song. And I just love how I, I dive into this world and I just kind of run with it. Um, the song meditations really, uh, struck me like that period, that moment within the record really hit me. Um, it kind of hit a zone for me in 2020 and I couldn't let up. I listened to this a ton in the uh, late, late summer, early fall on my back porch, uh, finishing work, uh, um, throughout the day. And it was just a fantastic way to, uh, kind of soak in the late afternoon sun. And number 11, the microphones, microphones in 2020, uh, simply put, uh, I think that Phil Elverham has had something on my list three out of the four years that we've done this. I feel so grateful for him and for his music. Uh, this record is one song. It looks back on his 25-year recording career and overall evolution. Begins with a slow six-minute build to um, uh, of just like guitar strums. It's very reminiscent of The Pole, which opens up It Was Hot. Um, we stayed in the water uh, as 2000 record as the microphones. Um, it's a gorgeous, devastating, really insightful rec, uh, uh, um, compilation here. It's exactly what I wanted from Elverham. I listened to it a couple of times over the summer, usually kind of like in bed, reading the news, having it on my phone. And just for whatever reason was like the 
calming type of uh, record that I needed at that point in time. And then I listened to it uh, the other day. I had to take my dog to the vet. My dog's been dealing with some health issues the last couple of months, and I had to go back and forth from the vet. And uh, I was listening to this, and it was just like kind of spinning around in my head as I was driving back and forth from my house to the vet, back and forth, back and forth. And um, it was just weirdly the perfect record to put on at the time. another 18 inning loss and a meaningless season for the Cubs. I am reeling today. Mm. Sounds like you need some get a little pep in your step, son. A little little extra pick-me-up. I do. This is where Grady's cold brew comes in. Order online, get their famous New Orleans-style iced coffee delivered straight to your door. Just add water to their all-in-one kit and get 36 servings of cold brew for less than a dollar a cup. So wait, what you're saying is that Grady's is going to end up saving me a ton of money and also time. I'm not going to have to socially distance in coffee shop lines because Grady's dispenses directly from my fridge, already cold and completely customizable for my perfect cup. There's a literal bag of cold brew in my fridge that comes with a spigot. Do I get a division win this year? That remains to be seen, but the most certainly is a bag of coffee with a spigot in your fridge. Furthermore, Grady's Cold Brew is independently owned and operated in New York City since 2011. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code BTP20. Just going to go through a few more Beyond the Pond community favorite albums. We got Ryan Smith. It's at rsmith0603. Future Birds. Teamwork. Good little record. I think it came out in February, unfortunately for them. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Rough and Rowdy Ways. Chris Forsyth with Garcia Peoples. People's Motel Band. Sun Watchers. Oh Yeah. Wax Hatchie, St. Cloud. So you got Wade Wilby, who's uh, on Twitter at, at Tesseract MG, 
course, Wade was with us in episode 101, Break Beats of a Feather. One of my favorite episodes of Beyond the Pond. You know, it was a great episode. Yeah, it was. So number number five, he's got Floating Points, Elena. Number four, No Death, No Death, Last Days. Number three, Cut Copy, Freeze, Melt. Number two, The Next, Three. Number one, Car Seat Headrest, Making the Door Less Open. Scotty King is on Twitter at Mr. Scotty King, our good buddy from the Great White North. Join us for episode 76, the Vancouver Tweezer. It's got number five, Rose City Band, Summerlong. Number four, Salt, untitled, parentheses, Black Is. Number three, Andy Schauf, the Neon Skyline. The good Canadian troubadour, Andy Schauf is. Number two, Young Jesus, Welcome to the Conceptual Beach. I should say, Welcome to Conceptual Beach. Number one, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Rick Ivy is on Twitter at, at Rick Ivy2. Osiris superfan Rick Ivy. He loves what we do. He had Eric Slick, Wiseacre. Erica Wennerstrom, Sweet Unknown, which came out in 2018. I guess he just discovered it this year. Great album. Great album. And he's got Bonnie Light Horseman, Fish Sigma Oasis, and Sylvan Esso. Free love. Oh, going here you know him you love him mr lot jesus cartoons saturday morning garcia people's nightcaps at wit's end a band called n1 released basically a record a month throughout 2020 fantastic fantastic stuff um find him on Bandcamp. uh krongbin mordecai uh Kleifta, Cosmic Pilgrimage, the Kleifta tapes, 1972 to 1975. Uh, I got this record uh, when it came out um, back in October on Bandcamp. Incredible mid-70s psychedelic jazz. Killer, killer stuff. And uh, have to rep Lot Jesus' band, Square Moon. Check them out. forward kevin brinkman what 
Oh, it's my brother. At Mr. That Brinkles. Is. That's what that is. My All brother right. my brother moved out here middle of the summer this year. I want to give him a huge shout out. It's been incredible having him in my same city, uh, celebrating holidays together, having him around my son all the time. It's been incredible. Uh, we listen to a ton of music um, as a result of him moving out here together. Uh, number five for him, the Little Smokies, uh, Tornillo. Number four, the Dead Tongues, Transmigration Blues. Number three, Fleet Foxes, Shore. Two, Taylor Swift, Folklore. And one, Waxahachie, St. Cloud. And they said, there goes the last great American dynasty. Who knows if she never showed up, what could have been? There goes the maddest woman this town has ever seen. She had a marvelous time. Ben Greenfield at Guy Forget OPT. Ben Greenfield is, um, if there was ever anyone that could step in for either one of us permanently, it would be Ben Greenfield. He uh, shares in a very similar, very unique view on fish uh, along with us. We can talk with him in the exact same language about music and about fish. I spent uh, a night hanging out with him when I was in Los Angeles, got to meet his family, um, got to uh, taste. He's an incredible cook. Did you know this? He's like one of the best cooks. I think I did know that actually. He's yeah. absolutely incredible cook. And, uh, we hung out in his basement, uh, with one of his neighbors, really cool guy, um, who, uh, is a big dead fan. We watched, uh, the February 22nd fish show from Mexico, which was a fantastic show. Um, and of course they went into this fantastic jam off of waves and then went back into soul planet, which Ben was crushed by because he had thought that he could finally convince his deadhead neighbor to actually give fish a chance until you started to hear the ocean is love in the middle of a really crazy jam. When so. is the music? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so Ben uh, has joined us for three episodes to date. Episode 26, Nassau Tweezer. 48, Iraq. 71, the uncounted moments slip away when he stepped in for um, David. David was away for uh, an episode during Summer Tour 2019. Uh, Ben's top five albums of 2020. The Soft Pink Truth, Shall We Go On Sinning So That the Grace May Increase, an album title that just screams Ben Greenfield. Uh, number four, Caban, uh, uh, Grand, uh, Grand Estate La Mason. Number three, Mosses, TV Sun. Number two, Caribou, Suddenly. And number one, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Finally, our last installment here in this round, Mr. RJB on Twitter at RJB2, at RJB underscore two, if you will. Apparently, there's another RJB out there. I don't know what he's doing or who he thinks he is. Uh, RJ is the founder of HF Pod, the founder, co-founder, and CEO of Osiris Media. He was on Beyond the Pond way back in episode 28 where we covered Wingsuit 
and he is our future co-host uh, on Undermine here. Uh, he sent me over a list, wrote up some really fantastic stuff about it. Uh, Taylor Swift, Folklore, Fish, Sigma Oasis, Nicole Atkins, Italian Ice. If you have not yet heard RJ's interview with Nicole Atkins on Past, Present, Future Live, it is fantastic. Uh, one of the best examples of what that show can do. Uh, Chris, Also, it's a, it's a really good record. It's a really good record. Italian Ice, excellent album. Yeah. Uh, Chris Forsyth with Garcia Peoples, the People's Motel Band, uh, Lamps, self-titled record, and Alexandra Saviors, The Archer. BTP listeners, we have an awesome contest to announce. Our sponsor, Sinlon, is offering listeners an exclusive prize. Portable 5x7 roll of the best quality turf around. It's about the size of an area rug, but you can easily cut down any size. Sinlon is made in the USA with bio-based ingredients. It's environmentally friendly and highly durable. You can make great use of this roll, even if you're a city or apartment dweller come up with a whole bunch of fun ideas and some of those are bring the outside indoors have an area for your kids to play a spot for you to get the feel of laying in the grass as the weather turns colder and you're spending less time outside works as a grassy yoga practice or workout inside use it as a meditation spot place it below your sofa to rest your feet in the grass while you couch tour or binge watch Shit's creek like i've been doing lately you can easily pack it up and bring it camping for a nice grassy space to hang out at your campsite Easy spot to take your dog out in a balcony or patio if the weather is bad. You just want to make sure you can throw in the rinse every so often. You can even cut it in the smaller patches and gift it to all your friends who could use a nice grassy spot to rest their feet indoors and reconnect the summer. It's also a cool idea for the holidays. I can say from experience, it feels very real and super soft and comfortable on bare feet. Sinlon will be giving away three of these 5x7 pre-cut rolls to our listeners. Visit sinlon.com slash beyond to enter and explore their site to buy it for yourself or as a gift. Sinlon can also customize and outfit it to your space, your home lawn, a commercial space like a playground, or even a classroom if you're a teacher and your classes are starting to meet again. I happen to love hitting golf balls off of them. Again, visit sinlon.com slash beyond to enter to win deadline to enter is december 9th that is s-y-n-l-a-w-n.com slash beyond b-e-y-o-n-d gotten to the top 10 portion of this show this podcast always runs long we like this stuff as much as possible we hope that you like it that way as well so my number 10 
It's an album which has appeared in several of our community top five lists. Bonnie Light Horseman, self-titled. And the song we're going to play is The Roving. So this album came out in January. This is a fucking gorgeous record in every respect. It is just meticulously produced, meticulous sounding, the harmonies. I can't imagine an album being better produced than this album. And it was produced uh, <laughs> by the, the producer, multi-instrumentalist extraordinaire, Josh Kaufman, who also produced um, Bob Weir's Blue Mountain record. I think the records are kind of like Kissing Cousins. They kind of have a lot of similar production techniques. They sound similar, and they kind of both fill me with wonder. I think the only reason this album dropped to number 10 for me is that it's a bit blue, it's a little sad, and I think I would have put it on more were it not for the pandemic. I mean, I needed stuff like Fish and The Grateful Dead, stuff that you know made me happy. And this album, while incredible, just, you know, it's not particularly upbeat. It was all based on creative covers of, uh, I guess, English folk songs. You know, it's just the nature of the music is a bit sad. And I think were it, like I keep saying, were it not for the situation 2020, I put that this might have even been in my top five. That's certainly no fault of the album. This is a gorgeous, gorgeous record with, of course, Eric Johnson from the Fruit Bats, um, singer-songwriter Anais Mitchell, and, uh, and Josh Kaufman. Just the way their voices blend into one another, the instrumentation. I'm done talking about it. It's gorgeous and you know it is. So let's listen to a song from it. So my number 10 record is uh, kind of the personification for me of Bandcamp Fridays. Uh, first Friday of every month starting, and I think it was May of this year. Um, I hope this continues into 2021 because it's a really great feature. Obviously, Bandcamp needs to make money themselves, but the fact that they waive all fees on the first Friday of each month Anything you purchase goes directly to the artist is a really great incentive. Um, I try to buy music throughout the month, but I try to also save to have a big pouring out on the first Friday of every month to go directly to artists. So um, this record, basically what I do on Bandcamp Fridays is I jump on Twitter, see what a bunch of people whose music I absolutely adore their recommendations on, see what they're going with. I test out a bunch of stuff. At some point I have, you know, 10 to 20 records, some singles in my uh, shopping cart and I press send. I don't think about it. I walk away, I have a beer and then I listen to a bunch of music. Uh, and this record came to me on the first Friday in June. It's Daniel Carter, Matthew Ship, William Parker, and Gerald, Gerald Cleaver. Welcome Adventure, volume one. Um, Dave mentioned this guy earlier. We'll probably mention him again. He's a uh, huge guide for us in terms of where to look for in music, and we encourage you to listen to his show, The Trailhead. It's a fantastic way to 
dive into the brain of Jeff Conklin and hear what music he is listening to at this point in time. He recommended this on that Friday, and uh, I've listened to it consistently ever since. It's really wild and alive jazz for me. Fall 2019, fall 2019 gig featuring these longtime collaborators who'd never really put anything to tape. Uh, it's three tracks. Two are about 20 minutes. One is about nine minutes. It's right up my alley. It fits with my number six record, which we'll talk about here in a couple minutes. We're going to play a cut here off of Majestic Travel Agency. Okay, my number nine album, Fish, Sigma Oasis. Let's play the song Everything's Right. Look, I think this is Fish's best album, Story of the Ghost. I don't think it's particularly close. I know Brian is a big Round Room fan. I get it. I'm just waiting for the Round Room vinyl. It's coming soon. Round Room vinyl? That's never coming out, man. Uh, basically, I haven't stopped listening to Sigma Oasis since it first brightened everybody's life on April 1st. I think this album's a minor miracle. Um, I think the packaging for the vinyl, which just showed up in my house, is also awesome. It's got great photos of the band hanging uh, and recording the record at the barn. I think it's Fish's best produced album because Vance Powell... Has Fish sound like Fish? He knows exactly what the band should sound like. And I've really enjoyed hearing him on podcasts because, man, that guy's got stories. And he loves to talk. And he's a great producer. And furthermore, the title track, Sigma Oasis, is my wife's favorite Fish song. I put it on and she says, this is a great song. I don't tolerate this song. I'm actually enjoying this song. And that's something. It's actually gotten my wife to enjoy fish but i mean that album the fact that my favorite band is capable of making a studio record that good this far into their career and releasing it at a time when everybody in the fish community really needed it that evening april 1st i don't i don't know if i realized on april 1st that we'd still be dealing with the pandemic here uh when we're recording this on december 3rd but I just remember sitting on my couch hearing these songs and like tearing up just because hearing fish yeah. songs from the studio played so well, sounding so good at a time when the world was so incredibly fucked up. It's what I needed. Yeah. But the thing is, I still listen to that record. So let's listen to uh, a bit of Everything's Right Sigma Voices. <laughs> Right. Number nine for me was a band camp pickup back in mid-fall. It's a Midwestern musician out of Omaha, I believe, James Schroeder. His record, Mesa Bowie. This is a 
fusion of Americana with folk, with noise, and with jazz. Uh, it's a fully instrumental record that fuses so many different sounds that I absolutely love, and I can't get enough of it. It is highly experimental. Uh, Schroeder took about, I think, six years to make this record. Some of it he had sketched out um, tracks in, in uh, uh, him on his own, and then um, he uh, started playing with a quintet and kind of quintet and kind of build songs and build sounds over a couple year period in time and you hear these songs kind of expand and these ideas expand um there's a couple of 10 minute tracks on here and it's just one of those records you can kind of get lost in um i was texting with dave kind of before we recorded this as we were both planning out our list and i was realizing you know my interest in music has really gone from these like straight ambient and very electronic driven records to these very organic but deep zone records and James Schroeder really kind of exemplifies that. I remember listening to this for the first time, uh, just gotten into bed, threw it on. I was doing some reading, um, you know, kind of 1230 at night and, uh, it came up on my recommendations on Bandcamp. I pressed play on it and immediately I was like, this is what I'm featuring on the next new album recommendations. That was in mid-October and I just haven't stopped listening to it since. So we are going to play a, uh, bit off of Fritz and Toby, uh, fantastic, um, track here, um, that just kind of shows the expansiveness and the depth that Schroeder plays with here on Mesa Blue. get to my number eight regarding uh, Brian's number nine Mesa Bowie remember he sent me that record he sent me the Bandcamp link I listened to the first song I think I texted him back wow this sounds like the Keebler Elves covering Electric Miles Davis I'm into it <laughs> that's it that's it <laughs> so anyway my number eight uh, was actually my album of the year at the halfway point this is Arboretum, Let It All In, and let's listen to a song called Buffeted by Wind. Basically, this is uh, one of those records, I think uh, Brian feels similarly, if um, my brain is a pinball machine, this album is just the pinball hitting, hitting every which way, all the bumpers, all the triple and double scores. This is an expansive indie folk record that touches on everything from... 80s R.E.M. to Neil and Crazy Horse to Krat Rock. It has gorgeous harmonies and guitar virtuosity. So if you just read back what I just said, that's basically everything I look for in an album. And it's just put together as a distinct side A and side B. I think uh, the last song in the record actually is kind of like a honky-tonk thing featuring Hans Chu on piano, which is pretty great. But... I definitely listened to it more in the first half of the year than the second half, only because I kind of burnt out on it. I think I'll probably go back and revisit it pretty shortly. But yeah, just a gorgeous folk record with a lot of things that both Brian and myself like quite a bit. 
done very well. So let's listen to Buffeted by Wind off of Arboretum's Let It All In. But they're not buffeted by wind. That record will be touched on once again here in this episode. For now, my number eight record, Mosses, TV Sun. Dave touched on this earlier, um, said a lot of great things about BTP favorite Ryan Jewell. Uh, just in general, one of my favorite people on the face of the planet, one of my favorite musicians. Um, this record, TV Sun, came out in early March. Uh, we both had the joy of listening to it uh, a bit early and we in, in preparation for our episode with Ryan Jewell back in March. Um, I think we had him on like right before, right like as the pandemic was getting serious. And I remember distinctly in our conversation being like, yeah, maybe in three weeks we'll look back and this was all crazy. And that was like March 9th or something. Yeah, that was like that. right when the shit was starting <laughs> to hit the fan. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> As Dave said, this is a kitchen sink record, but you know, you've got this mix of kind of 60s psychedelic jams mixed with kraut rock, mixed with these like contagious kinksy type tunes, mixed with these zone out emerald type uh, feels to it. The song I'm going to play here from this, You Can't Fall Off a Mountain, closes the record and uh, feels like a throwback to like a Mark McGuire record uh, that I could just get lost in in like my mid 20s. And I put that song on and it's just like I'm just kind of floating in space, bobbing and weaving along with it. Um, of note, just have to give a shout out. Uh, my wife got me guitar lessons with Ryan Jewell back in the spring. And uh, we ended up going from early mid-March through, I think, July was our last lesson. I just got super busy and preparing for a kid and work got kind of crazy. But it was like every Friday I'd hang out with Ryan Jewell. And uh, the dude made me think about and see and hear and feel the guitar in a completely different way than I ever had. I'd been playing guitar off and on since I was 14. And it was one of those musical moments that like just cracked open for me hearing music and experiencing music in a way that I just wouldn't have predicted going into 2020. It was one of those few kind of offhanded bright spots. Um, it got me like recording uh, some songs and stuff, stuff that we'll never really see the light of day, but uh, was really fun and enjoyable for me to mess around with and kind of, after four, at this at that point, after three years of um, the Beyond the Pond project, you know, spending all this time thinking about discussing, uh, consuming other people's music, kind of throwing my mindset in that standpoint back into playing music was a really joyful experience. I would highly recommend anyone who listens, if you play guitar, play any instrument, really. Ryan Jewell plays basically everything, but um, guitar, drums, I believe he gives lessons in. Highly recommend seeking him out. I'm happy to set you up, um, connect you if you don't know him. But really great guy. Just moved out here to Denver. And I know once this pandemic is over, I'm going to see a hell of a lot of shows with him. And I hope I'm going to go and watch him play a ton of shows at Globe Hall uh, with my buddy Ryan Smith. Be a fantastic experience. So Mosses, TV Sun, we're going to listen to Can't Fall Off a Mountain.
right. Ryan Jewel is gonna teach me guitar at some point. He doesn't realize it yet, but he will. He knows. I'm gonna now. hit you up, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> he knows now, right? <laughs> okay, so my number seven is album from a group called No Joy. Album is called Motherhood. The song is Nothing Will Hurt. No Joy is um, Montreal-based, kind of a shoegaze band. It's how they've always been um, thought of in the past. Shoegaze, it's a one-woman project, basically. This is a joyous, sloppy joe of a record. It's got slap bass, and it's got beats, and it's got hardcore guitar shredding. It really feels like it could have come from 1998, when like overstuffed albums are all the rage, and bands are trying to put... like. House beats with rock albums, you know, kind of with like varying degrees of success. But it's overstuffed, but it's a crafty kind of overstuffed. There's like nothing feels out of place. Even when things are kind of done in bad taste, it's done in such like a humorous manner that, you know, you really kind of understand what's going on. There's sort of like an overriding theme of like motherhood going throughout the album. Sort of like some of these songs seem to be sung directly to babies almost like kind of wacky lullabies in a way. In particular, the song we're going to play, Nothing Will Hurt. It's almost kind of like a shoegaze meets a cut copy song, adds slap bass as well. And it's just kind of like a joyous sunburst that I've been listening to a hell of a lot in the latter half of 2020. I think this album came out towards the end of August and I've kind of been listening to it nonstop ever since. So... Let's listen to Nothing Will Hurt off of uh, Motherhood by No Joy, which is, I'm going to be a cheese ball and saying it's a contradiction because I've got a ton of joy out of listening to this album. Here we go. Right, <clears throat> my number seven, Waxahachie, St. Cloud. Um, so as we're going through this list right now, you know, it's funny, planning this episode, w- we really try to go like hard in terms of the preparation for like our traditional episodes um, because we want to get all the dates right. We want to get all the beats right that we're going through. We want to tell like a real thematic overview story of all the music that we're featuring. Um, a lot of these records we know in a lot of cases like the back of our hands. So if you were to look at our doc here for this, um, it's pretty light. We just try to like get a few initial thoughts down about the record because part of the joy of this episode is I find myself just like remembering special moments hearing an album as we're going through it. Uh, the first time I heard a record and kind of just getting that full nostalgic picture of last year, which is a really weird thing to say about 2020. But as you can tell with all this music, there were some bright spots in it. And uh, with all these things considered, um, one additional set of uh, context I'll set here for this is one of the things I love about living in Denver is A, uh, sports start early and end early. And 
album releases on Fridays that come out at midnight Eastern, come out at 10 p.m. on Thursday night on uh, in, in Denver. So I remember hearing the first couple singles for Oxahachie's St. Cloud and absolutely loving them. And I was sitting on my couch and I threw this on on my television, uh, pulled up Spotify there, turned it up a bit, put like a nice screensaver on, cracked a beer and listened to this record. And it was... I think this came out as well on March 27th. Was that like late March type of release? Late March, early April. Yeah. And this one, whereas like, you know, a record like Pearl Jams uh, and some, you know, some other records that came out in mid-March, early April, definitely got overshadowed by the pandemic. I feel like this actually broke through and um, it sounded like the first notes of spring. It sounded like the first notes of relief. Um in this really intense period that we were just entering into at that moment. And, um, it's really thematic, really expertly produced, uh, record about Katie Crutchfeld's experiences with addiction and depression and living in both the South and the Midwest. And you feel like you're in, um, this like rural stretch of America. That's uh, really compelling to me at this point in time. Um, it's about hardships of relationships, friendships. It's just, it's got everything. It's a really great driving record. Um, her voice, her lyrics, her command of overall sonics will just always define her music. And this record is without question her best record that I've heard to this point in time and just best exemplifies what her potential is from a songwriting standpoint and from a song's craftsmanship standpoint. Um, and just before we recorded tonight, I, I, my son is in school right now and I went to go and pick him up and I threw this on and uh, the song Lilacs came on and I just like, it was like a well of emotions about 2020 just came roaring through me. And I just like lost it for like five minutes in my car and realized like, this is one of the more special records uh, of the year. And this is definitely one of those records. I feel like when we look back on 2020, when we're out of the pandemic, when we're out of this whole experience, we're going to look back and be like, that was a really good statement on a era and a time and a place. And I feel like this is going to be one of the records from this year that kind of lingers beyond. So let's go ahead here. We're going to listen to Lilacs off of Waxahachie's St. Cloud. So, my number six record, band called Porridge Radio. They are from Brighton in the United Kingdom. Album is called Every Bad. Song is called Sweet. So this is a record I believe came out. I want to say the end of February of 2020, because I believe that the band was actually in town playing shows in New York City at small venues like like. Uh, like a pre-release show or two. They had planned to come back later in the year to play bigger venues. Obviously, that did not happen. So, you know, if you heard me on this podcast, I have a thing for kind of like gothy British art rock, especially female sung gothy British art rock. And Dana Margolin, who is uh, the front woman and guitarist and head songwriter for Porridge Radio, she really scratches that itch better than like any artist in recent memory. I mean, this is really 
kind of like a la like a classic PJ Harvey album, like a Nick Cave album. Realize he's from Australia. You know, kind of that really artsy British rock like The Cure, and it's just really excellent in that respect. There's also a lot of loud to soft dynamics, a la uh, like classic Pixies. One of the songs kind of flirts with uh, some mid-2000s dance punk. Side B is much more mellow, more of kind of like a shoegaze, more of like a hymn-like at times. But really where it's at is uh, the first five songs, which are just as like angry and relentless and have huge choruses and incredible vocals. It's just really, uh, I started listening to it right when it came out. And it wasn't like there was a period I was listening to it a lot, but it's just kind of one of those records that never went away. I would just put it on and get a huge burst of energy. Um, there's one song where Dana Margolin, she just repeats like, you're wasting my time. And she just makes like wasting another person's time seem like the most awful thing in the world. And there were times in 2020 when I would kind of just feel that way. Like everything... Everything is fucking wasting my time. What the hell is going on? And I would just crank the porridge radio very loudly. So let's listen to uh, what was the first single off that record. I think certainly one of the best examples of the uh, quiet to loud dynamic, which they are good at. It also uh, features lyrics about body image. Um, This is the song Sweet, the second song on... um, Porridge Radio's Every Bad Record. Let's listen to that. And sometimes I am just a child writing letters to myself, wishing out loud you were dead and then taking it back. All right, Dave, I certainly know the feeling that you were talking about that led to the endless listens of Porridge Radio throughout 2020. The uh, pressure from work, from life that you're like, I understand I need to continue to make money and I need to feed my family and I need to do all these things. But like, can anyone just stop and reflect upon what's happening right now and just like take a chill pill? (laughs) Like we, we. Like, let's just take it back here. And sometimes you just need music that will uh, crank your mind. And for me, the record I'm going to talk about is um, kind of a record that I relied on in a similar way. This was a Zone Out record. This is from one of my favorite bands in the last few years. A band who's been around a lot longer than that. But it's the next with three. Uh, This came out in, I think, mid-March. And from... Listen one, it just absolutely blew me away. One thing that my wife and I did, um, my wife and I are very fortunate to work for a company that um, provides unlimited PTO. and We took great advantage of that throughout 2020. It was our one uh, real escape throughout the overall year. Um, we would take Fridays off, kind of staggered throughout the spring, especially with our son out of school, trying to figure out ways to get him active get him away from the television or the phone or some crappy game or crappy craft that we've come up with. I mean, it was really fucking hard, man. Like you knew it, you had your kids at home with you, like trying to work full time, live up to those expectations. 
and have a kid there who you can't really do anything with. You just have to like house and shelter and feed and hope that like there's no deep seated emotional scarring that's going on with them. I mean, fuck, it was awful. It got really bad. Jesus Christ. And the way that we would get through this, yeah, it got really bad, is um, we'd take Fridays off here and there, and um, we'd take solo days uh, with our son to take him hiking. And um, they're one of my bright spots of 2020. And uh, seeing the joy and the love on his face and seeing the experience and the happiness that he was having hiking with me, you know, reflecting on we've been in Colorado now for about three years and we're going through this really weird experience, but at least we have the opportunity to literally get in our car and drive 20 minutes and we're in the mountains. It was the best with him and he was so good about it. And I remember listening to this record with him. <laughs> He's going to have some crazy stories when he grows up in terms of the records dad played in the car, uh, but playing this record for him track in particular bloom that leads off the album as we drive into the mountains and weave up to wherever we're going to go hiking, uh, was just, it was, it was a great experience. Scattered my brain a little bit, brought it back together, made me feel okay. Uh, the next are jazz trained musicians who, uh, experiment in jam. Uh, it's, it's a really phenomenal fusion of a lot of different sounds. I love this record is three 20 minute tracks that will just blow your mind. Uh, if you have not listened to three by the next, and you listen to this podcast, you will absolutely love this album. Um, check it out. We're going to listen to a little bit of boom. Okay, Brian, before we uh, get to our top five, we're going to do a few more Beyond the Pond community favorite albums. What do we got? All right. So first up from a community album standpoint, we got one of my best friends, Rob Brennan, who is on Twitter. Uh, you can find him in two places at Robert P. Brennan and at Supermoon Beer Co. So Rob just launched the Supermoon Beer Company out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, they had their first launch uh, with bottle releases in November. They're looking to do three to four beers, um, being ready for March 2021 bottle releases. And uh, we're hoping that in 2021, we are able to do a collaboration beer. Um, Rob, uh Makes some really fascinating, really interesting wild beer um, in the Belgian style. Um, I'm enjoying my first uh, beer of his called Many Phases. It's a blended farmhouse beer. It's a farmhouse style ale aged in French oak barrels, 6.2%. Um, this comes out of the Bayview community of Milwaukee. Uh, it is just Really fantastic, really excellent beer. I'm really proud of what Rob is doing. Um, I would encourage anyone who is in the Milwaukee area who's listening to this, please go and check out Supermoon Beer Company. Um, check them out on Twitter. Have a bunch of information about bottle releases as well as um, uh, any pre-orders that you can do um, for for uh, what Rob does. He's working on a space um, in Milwaukee right now that will be able to serve people once the pandemic is over. So love you, Rob. Can't wait 
to work with you on beer in the future. Fantastic stuff. Rob's list. Number five, Young Jesus. Welcome to Conceptual Beach. Number four, Waxahachie, St. Cloud. Number three, Taylor Swift, Folklore. Two, Arboretum, Let It All In. And number one, Rob said he picked this because he misses live music so, so much. He's a new dad. He probably wouldn't have seen a lot of shows anyway this year, but why not throw his fist in the air and celebrate to being a dad with the War on Drugs live drugs. Up next, <clears throat> Christian Hammeter, one of my very close friends out here in Denver. Uh, always, like Christian and I, we work together. We always are sending each other albums back and forth at work. He is my main go-to in terms of, you need to hear this, you need to hear this. Oh, I need to hear this. I need to hear this in the middle of like sending emails and going in and out of meetings. Absolutely love the dude. Um, number five, U.S. Girls, Heavy Light. Four, Bonnie Light Horseman. I feel like Bonnie Light Horseman is like the Beyond the Pond record of 2020. Everybody has it. Yeah, seriously. It. And with good reason. It's it makes sense. Record. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, number three, Crywank, Fist Me Till Your Hand Comes Out My Mouth. Uh, two, King Cruel, Man Alive. And number one, Fiona Apple, Felt Fetch the Bolt Cutters. When you see the dreams. Uh, next up, John Hart at Road Jimmy, at Road J, I should say on Twitter, and also at Broke Down Podcast. He's the host of the fantastic Broke Down Podcast. Dead fans out there, um, Check this podcast out. John does a really great job with interviews as well as um, really cool mixes of uh, dead tunes across eras and across styles. Um, he did a really fantastic one with a uh, friend of the pod, Justin Bruce, that looked into great Brent Midland songs. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love Brent Midland. Absolutely love the raspy voice. Absolutely love the crooning um, Excellent, excellent episode. He was also on episode 16, Fishgrass, way, way back in uh, early fall 2017, as well as episode 60, The Keel Darkstar, where we did our lone uh, Grateful Dead deep dive uh, episode. He will also be one of our future co-hosts on the Undermine podcast. He gave us some recommendations. Gillian Welsh and David Rawlings, All the Good Times. Nick Mitchell, Mayato, Pino Carrasco, Joan Shelley, Live at the Bombard. Fantastic record. I cannot recommend that enough. I bought that on a Bandcamp Friday. Joan Shelley is making some of my favorite music uh, today, and uh, I can't, I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, Rose City Band, Summer Long, and Zachary Kale, False Spring, which might be the first mention of Zachary Kale, but it will not be the last. I'm coming down for you to a Coming down for you As you always knew
finally, um, we've got uh, Jim Brinkman. What? It's my dad. Is that your dad? That's, That's my your dad. dad. My dad's making his debut on the BTP top albums list. Um, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, it looks like a bot account, but I promise it's not. Uh, <laughs> at Pops38113680. Um, clearly, there were, you know, uh, 38 million Pops accounts already taken on Twitter. Um, Jason Isbell on the 400 unit reunion. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, letter to you. Springsteen is what brought my parents together. It's the reason I exist. That album came out. I was texting with my parents listening to it. It's fantastic. Uh, the War on Drugs, Live Drugs. Neil Young's Homegrown. I think this is the first uh, appearance of this. I'm really surprised. I thought uh, more, pe- more people would be listening to this on their top uh, albums of the year, um, especially since Hitchhiker was all over these lists in 2017. And uh, Bob Dylan's Rough and Rowdy. Going forward, we've got Brian Whitley He's on Twitter at Brian Treese, B-R-Y-O-N-T-R-E-E-C-E. Brian goes to a lot of shows in the New York area. I always see him out there. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. I miss going to shows with him. Hopefully we can do so soon. He's also uh, a videographer of Garcia Peoples of Assort. I think he uh, took a video of a uh, big, big performance of... Um, their song One Step Behind that you can find on YouTube. So we love you, Brian. He's got number five, Pete Curlin, Glaring Omission. Of course, Peter Curlin, he's uh plays in the band Sun Watchers. He also plays bass with Chris Forsyth in uh, the Solar Motel band. Number four, Christian Settlemeyer, Ravine Palace. Number three, Joan Shelley, Live at the Bombard. Number two, Hum, Inlet. And number one, Zachary Kale, Fall Spring. Our good buddy, PJ Rudolph, he's on Twitter, at Part 3 He helped us out with the episode 74, our tribute to David Berman, as well as our Pavement Deep Dive episode 97. Number five, the Budos Band, Long in the Tooth. Number four, Tim Heidecker, Fear of Death. Number three, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Number two, My Morning Jacket, The Waterfall Part 2. Number one, Rose City Band, Summer Long. I live in fear of everyone I hope you understand Don't count on us becoming friends I think I'm done growing I think I'm done growing I think I'm done growing Next we have Rob Mitchum He's on Twitter at FishCrit Of course, fantastic Twitter account also, his personal account, at Rob Mitchum. 
He's helped us out with the third annual Overlook Jams episode and episode 55 of this talked about the storage jam. He had in no particular order Jeff Rosenstock, No Dream. It's a great album. Ezra Feinberg, Recumbent Speech. Jeremy Cunningham, The Weather Up There. Jeff Parker, Sweet for Max Brown. Jackie Lynn, I was called Jacqueline. And the microphones, microphones in 2020. Our good buddy Ryan Nichols is on Twitter at RyanNichols7. Of course, helped us with our big YouTube deep dive. It's episodes 33 and 34. He has number five, Haruka Nakamura, Still Life. Number four, Doves, The Universal Want. Number three, Yakika, Soul Lady. Number two, Real Estate, The Main Thing. And number one, Actress, Karma and Desire. So we're going to jump into now. We've finally reached a thank you all for hanging with us here. This is always such a fun, long-winded episode. Uh, We're going to jump into our top five albums of 2020. We still have a few community albums to toss out uh, shout-outs to. But, David, you want to kick us off with your number five record of 2020? My number five record is from one of our favorite youngish bands, Garcia Peoples, Nightcap at Wit's End. And we're going to play the song one at a time. So I think that this is uh, the best Garcia People studio album to date. They did it in a certain side A, side B format. Side A is individual songs. Side B is songs played together as a suite. The songs have these interstitial jams in between. It kind of harkens back to their uh, big, epic 32-minute song, One Step Behind, kind of in a more digestible form. I mean, Garcia Peoples, this is a band, they just get, as they get more comfortable with the studio, their studio records get better and better. I think that this is uh, probably some of the best written songs of their career. And they're kind of like Husker Du in that the second that they put out a studio record, they already have another one that's that's in the can. I mean, I think that they recently completed another studio record uh, produced with uh, Matt Sweeney, the great Matt Sweeney which I, I think is done. I think that at um, a recent show that they played on a rooftop in Brooklyn, they might have even had some of these new songs. So that's probably going to come out in, in uh, up in 2021. It's kind of hard for me to think of a band that got more stymied by the pandemic. I mean, they were serious, serious busy bees in 2019, playing tons of shows, uh, also like recording, playing tons of shows by themselves with Chris Forsyth. And I know in 2020, they were set to go on a big cross-country tour to uh, like promote this record. Obviously, that didn't happen. I don't really think they did anything in the way of like live streams or promotion. And, you know, I kind of couldn't really blame a band for getting totally sidetracked by 2020. 
but uh, hopefully that they can rally in 2021 because, you know, I think they need to be heard by as many people as possible. And uh, certainly Nightcap at Wit's End has probably gotten them the best, uh, you know, critical accolades of their career. And this album really deserves to be heard. I'd love to see them do some kind of live streams or some way just to really, really get their name out there before the end of the year. But uh, hopefully they can rally big time in 2021. But in the meantime, we have Nightcap at Wit's End. It's fucking awesome. Also, just the packaging, um, the artwork by Daryl Norson is psychedelic and gorgeous. It's got a great set of liner notes put together by David Frick, of all people. So let us listen to One at a Time uh, by Garcia Peoples. All right, as we get into my top five, um, I'll be honest, uh, pretty much everything here up until number one um, could be in any other different spot. This is kind of where they fell as I was working through it. Um, I would say that this year was probably the hardest year of any since we started doing this for ranking records. Um, Last year being the only comparison, just in the sense that there were so many great, great records that... um, I don't know. I uh, spent a lot of time with, especially these five records, but I also feel like I could have spent more time with. Uh, 2020 was weird like that. Um, my number five record is Zachary Kale's Fall Spring. Uh, this came out, I want to say this came out in May. I definitely didn't listen to this record until about July. Uh, I bought a fire pit and I like built a fire pit in late April. And from about April through October, Um, my escape from the pandemic was, um, hanging out outside of the fire, listening to music, um, barbecuing, smoke meat, and just trying to like soak in the vibe of summer, ended up watching the dick shows outside around a fire. I mean, we just, we utilized that space as much as possible over the summer and it was just fantastic. And this record really personified that feeling, that vibe sitting out under our big tree Sun would go down, weather would just like cool off instantly, fire would be rolling. It was fantastic. Um, in the best ways, no album will really remind me of summer 2020 quite like this. Um, like I said, sitting around a fire, just hanging out, drinking beers, listening to really great music. The song Slide is uh, one of my favorite songs off the record. We're going to go ahead and we're going to play that here. Um, Zachary Kale. This was his first album in, I think, six years. And it followed a pretty lengthy period where I don't think he wrote a lot of music. And, you know, inspiration is such a weird thing. You uh, can work and work and work and feel like nothing's totally coming to fruition in the way that you want it to. And then you make an album like this that it's about 13, 14 songs, never really feels overlong in any sort of way, just kind of flows one song into the other. And um, a real... Uh, a real, you know, true outdoor record of 2020, which was something that we all needed. Um, felt like being in a cabin. So we're going to go ahead here, listen to Slide off of Zachary Kale's False Spring. Time don't bow to you Though I've seen you slow it down 
Okay, moving up, my number four is Taylor Swift, Folklore, and uh, the song we're going to play is Seven. So, Taylor Swift recording an album in secret with Aaron Destin from The National, I'll bite. Remember, I think there was a very brief period of time before this album was announced before it was put out. It might have been like two days. It might have been like she announced it and then it came out like two days later. Yeah, I think it was. Remember, that. isn't that right? I think that's what it was. Right. I remember the evening that it came out because on the East Coast records come out at midnight. I was having a hard time sleeping. So I figured, okay, I'll try to listen to the new Taylor Swift record. Just like lying in bed. And my wife was like stirring, like kind of asking why, like, the light on my headphone was on. I'm like, just like, go back to sleep. So I listen to it. And then about like 12 minutes later, I get a text from Brian. I think it says like Taylor Swift, comma, fuck. My, my response was, LOL, I'm on the sixth song now. And yes, holy fuck. <laughs> she's the real deal. Now, we kind of know that Taylor Swift is the real deal. Because this is, I think Folklore is like her eighth album. Yeah. So she has a lot of records. She has... I mean, she's by far, I think, the wealthiest artist on this Beyond the Pond list because she has a huge army of fans, huge fan base. But, you know, she's really paid the cost to be the boss. And yet, I think the kind of the joke of folklore is, wow, now Taylor Swift finally has the approval of the fan she's always wanted, <laughs> Pitchfork Nerds, which, okay, that's point taken. And I've definitely enjoyed some of her albums in the past. And yet, not to this extent, this is like a real singer-songwriter's album. And it's wonderfully produced. And a lot of the songs, it has like Aaron Dessner's touchstone of lots of like pianos. And it really sounds like some of these songs could be national songs. Especially the first song, Cardigan. I mean, you swap in Matt Berninger vocals, that's basically... That's a national song. And a lot of it's interesting in that it kind of has like the crew of musicians that have played on national records in the past. I know they all had a hand in making this record. I know um, the nationalist drummer, Brian Dievendorf, I think Aaron Dessner said, like, hey, can you, you know, like send me some drum tracks? It's a project I'm working on. I can't really tell you who it is because there was like some confidentiality agreements given that like Taylor Swift was the artist. So it was just a trip hearing the musicians and the producer and the guitarist behind the National, one of mine and Brian's like favorite bands of like the past 15 years, all coming together to make a Taylor Swift album. That Make no mistake, it sounds like Taylor Swift kind of filtered through Aaron Dessner, but it's, it's a Taylor record through and through. And this has just some amazingly written songs. There's a run in the middle of the album from uh, the song Mirrorball, then Seven, then August, which may be my favorite three-song portion of any album that has been like released this year. It's got a song called The Last Great American Dynasty, which is just a perfect pop rock song, which is kind of like a story song about the woman who used to own the house that Taylor Swift bought in Rhode Island. Um, if there's a criticism... I think it's 16 tracks in over an hour. It's a bit long, 
but there's just a lot to dive into, and it's I'm just amazed at how much I keep going back to this record month after month, week after week. And if you told me at the start of 2020 that one of your favorite records will be a Taylor Swift record produced by Aaron Destra, I would have said, ha ha, 2020 is going to be an interesting year. <laughs> I just had no, I just had no idea how interesting. So let's listen to the song Seven, which is the middle song in uh, that triptych, which I just discussed. It's a gorgeous song that I can't get out of my head. And, uh, Good on you, Taylor, and good on you, Aaron Destner. And also, it's worth saying that Taylor Swift has a huge Instagram following, huge, huge Twitter following, and she really put that to good use in 2020, kind of like fighting the good fight, uh, supporting a lot of great, uh, a lot of great Democratic politics. Totally great Democratic politicians. I think she's, uh, you know, had something to say about the forthcoming runoff in this, uh, this, the senatorial runoff in the state of Georgia. She's a uh, goodness all around. So let's listen to uh, Seven by Taylor Swift. Yeah, I... I loved folklore. Um, I think it's an accomplishment. Uh, I really have enjoyed where Taylor Swift's career has gone over the last decade. I think um, she takes a lot of risks and a lot of chances, and she tends to end up in songs that really worm their way into your head and uh, make you feel a lot, um, both on a very heavy pop sense, both on a nostalgia sense, you know, I think about 1989 and the way that that record really called back to the mid-1980s. Um, Reputation was a bit more flawed, but had a uh, ton of experimentation on it in a really strong way that I think was really risky and really brave of her at that point in her career. And Folklore... I think you texted me. You said, like, she's Neil Young. She makes albums. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like she will just do anything. And uh, she's yeah. kind of one of those artists that um, there's not going to be like this very clear, okay, this is a new Taylor Swift record that's coming out. I know what to expect. Like, you don't know. And uh, that's a really exciting no. thing. And it's a really brave thing at that level, especially in Popdom. Like, you can make the argument she has all the money in the world. Yeah, of course she can do what she wants. But like, you know, we've seen a lot of pop stars, like fame can be a really fleeting thing and taking chances that uh, your fan base isn't on board with. You can go very quickly from consistently selling out stadiums and having a huge following to, you know, really not being uh, relevant. And she takes those chances and they tend to pay off. So um, absolutely love that record. My number four is very different, but also kind of similar. I don't know. It kind of is. Uh, Ezra Feinberg's recumbent speech, you know, in a zone out, make a record in a cabin type of feel. Uh, this, this, this has some lineage to folklore, if you will. But in all reality, uh, Ezra Feinberg is the former guitarist of Cité. Crafts one of the prettiest albums of the entire year. Um, so today was one of my favorite bands uh, to discover last decade, 20 or two decades ago. I know Jesus, uh, the 
the aughts. Uh, I came across the album Little Kingdom on Fantasy Tour, and it did something for me that few records have, but you know, a few have along the way that uh, cracked my brain open from where my head is when I listen to Fish and the Grateful Dead to that like lineage to indie rock. And I've really been interested in his career as he's evolved along the way. And he put out recumbent speech, I want to say towards the end of June. Um, we listened to this record a little bit early uh, um, as we put it on one of the um, episodes that we put out over the summer. And so it's been in my head since late spring, early summer. Of all the instrumental zone out records in 2020, this is the one that both astonished me and made me feel just like warm and comfortable all at the same time. Um, I could throw this record on and just like fall into that deep haze of like, oh my God, how are these artists doing this? How is this music happening right now? Or I could put it on and it could be like wallpaper and it could just like feel really good and just uh, contem- you know, uh, compliment, you know, a grill session, uh, reading to my son, um, waking up kind of early in the morning, early in the morning and just like getting some writing and stuff done, you know, just was there for me in a lot of different settings, a lot of different situations. And, uh, I can't get enough of it. Every time I put it on, it just kind of sucks me back in. And, um, I think a testament to it, um, uh, I was, we, we were, uh, we, we have a text chain going on with our buddy, Josh, Josh Carver. And I, passed him this record about three or four nights ago. And I literally just got a text as we're recording this that said, can you please recommend other records like recumbent speech? So it's kind of one of those albums that you just, you hear it and you're like, okay, whatever this is, I want more of it. Um, so I'm going to play a bit of ovation, which I believe is the penultimate track on the record. Um, record ends in a really phenomenal way with a couple extended tracks. Um, and, uh, Let's go ahead and let's listen to Ovation off of Recumbent Speech by Ezra Feinberg. I love that Ezra Feinberg album. One of, uh, my favorite evenings of this summer was at one point, um, you know, when we still had days that were long, I just put on my headphones, I kind of walked down to uh, a pier on the Lower East Side, and it was kind of like the sun was setting, there was like, people were out, they were playing, mostly like with their masks on, and I just had this Ezra, Fine, uh, this Ezra Feinberg record in my headphones, it just kind of almost felt like being on mushrooms, not being on mushrooms. It was one of those things where, okay, everything's right. I've got this gorgeous ambient record in my ears. I'm watching New York City down by the water. I'm looking out. I'm seeing bridges because I live on the Lower East Side. It was a, it was a lovely moment, and that's a really gorgeous album. It's definitely my zone out record of the year. So for my number three, I'm going to talk about something which is certainly not a Zone Out album, except um, for one portion in one of the middle of the songs, which actually kind of does sound like Ezra Feinberg. I'm going to talk about the recent album from Deftones called Ohms, and we're going to play a song called Urantia. Really? A Deftones record? <sighs> okay. Kind of like Taylor Swift, if you would have told me at the start of 2020 that 
I'd be madly in love with a new Deftones record. I'd been like, oh, 2020 is going to be weird. <laughs> Basically, Ohms would have been my favorite album ever as a 16-year-old, and I still love it at age 41. I think a big reason for that is the production, which is done by uh, old-school metalhead Terry Date, who produced the Deftones' first three albums, and it matters. The guitars on this record, the nine-string guitar played by uh, Steph Carpenter, just drills its way into your skull. And it's kind of impressive that uh, these emotive new metal guys got to album number nine. So they must be doing something right. But, of course, the line on Deftones is that um, their best album was 2000's White Pony, I think that's still the case. This is probably their best album since. It just has a focus. It's got uh, jackhammer riffing. Of course, the push and pull at Deftones is the riffs against um, the frontman Chino Moreno's kind of both screaming and his emotive vocals. Because this is a guy who loves The Cure. He loves Cocktail Twins. He loves The Smiths. He likes all of these kind of like Britpop bands from the 80s. And it's just the push and pull between him and the unrepentant metalhead guitarist Steph Carpenter, plus the uh, decidedly kind of like hip-hop sounding drums of Abe Cunningham and um, Frank Delgado, who's their DJ, who does like scratching, but also more like atmospheric keyboard work. One of uh, the songs in this record called Pompeii actually has just this like ambient break that has like keyboards, it has seagulls, it has like waves lapping up against the shore. So, but really, the first three songs in this record just hit so goddamn hard and is so what I needed in October and November as we got closer and closer to the election and things got crazier and I got more stressed out. My God, just like... The period of time between election night, November 3rd, and November 7th, as when Joe Biden actually became president, was such a weird, stressful, upside-down time for me. And I listened to Deftones so much in that four-day period, man. Even after he had already won, and um, the quote-unquote president was trying to overturn the election in strange ways because he's a fucking asshole... I just listened to even more and more Deftones. There was a text chain between me and Brian and uh, our friend Josh. We had just discussed saying, like, is he actually going to do this? Is he capable? What the hell is going on? He's never going to concede. He still hasn't, but at this point, yeah, Joe Biden's going to be the president. But uh, neither here nor there, kind of when discussing Deftones, but just uh, a really phenomenal, emotive metal record that I'm uh, happy that came out this year. So let us listen to Urantia. This is the third song on the album. It probably has one of my favorite choruses. It's just this heavy riffing gives way to this light filling chorus where Chino Moreno sings about a picture perfect strange. It's very Billy Corgan. And uh, probably the best thing we can just do is listen to it and listen to me not talk about it. So... Let's listen to uh, Urantia off Owned by Deftones. I slipped into the 
All right. My number three is an album Dave talked about a little bit ago. Uh, this was both of our number one records at the halfway point. It's the first time it's ever happened. Um, the cool thing about this podcast, um, I'm sure if you've listened to this extensively or you know just a few episodes here and there, you can tell Dave and I are usually on the same page about a lot of things. We're never like the point of this podcast isn't for Dave to throw out an idea and me to be like, what? That's absolutely insane or vice versa. But there certainly are moments where like we both diverge in our tastes. And I think that that colors this show in a really unique way. Um, we just aligned on Arboretum. I remember when we went to record our top albums of the halfway point of 2020. We were like, are you serious? <laughs> and uh, it was it was it was a fun thing. But um, Arboretum let it all in. This was my number one record at the halfway point of the year. Um. I've listened to it a ton since um, I keep listening to it. It is a really cool fusion of English country folk with shoegaze and kraut rock jams. It's a perfect combination for me. Uh, so it was one of those records recommended to me, I think by Dave as well as uh, my close friend, John McGar. And one of those records that like within three songs, I was texting out five or six other people saying, you have to listen to this. You have to listen to this. And every one of them uh, has, you know, come back to me as this was one of their favorite records of the year um i listened to this record middle of the afternoon as i was driving from chicago to um denver i just gotten into nebraska and uh was just you know that mid-november midwestern like blue sky sky as far as you could see and these just like tan exterior with little subdivisions here and there Lots of trees, nice little river here and there, some farmland. Um, and this record, just for whatever reason, just fit that vibe. Um, that whole part of the country just makes me feel like being on a train going across uh, central Russia. And uh, this just really, really um, fit that whole overall experience. So we're going to listen to the 11-minute title track. Not the entire thing, just a snippet. But the title track is 11 minutes. Let it all in. I never thought that it was possible to make a song that both complemented as well as was built out of Wilco's Spider's Kid Smoke. But this is it. This is like a testament to everything that's great about that track. So um, if you haven't listened to Arboretum, they're definitely a BTP hive mind type of record. Check it out. Let It All In is a great introduction to the band. Let's listen to a little bit of Let It All In from my number three album of 2020. Okay, before we um, continue, we're just going to do a handful of more of Beyond the Pond community favorite albums. So we've got Matt Dwyer on Twitter, at MDFunk, that's funk with a PH. Matt is Osiris Media Editing Guru. He helped us out with episode 58, Mexican Classic Rock Radio, and more recently, episode 104, The Genesis of Fish. He's also one of our future Undermine co-hosts. He's all-around great dude. So he's got honorable mention, War on Drugs, Live Drugs, 
Number five, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, Reunions. Number four, Rose City Band, Summerlong. Number three, Margot Price. That's how rumors get started. Number two, Sturgill Simpson, Cutting Grass. Of course, being the recent album where uh, Sturgill Simpson reinterprets his greatest hits with the Crack Bluegrass Band. It's awesome. It's as incredible. You know it would be. It's really good. And number one, Fish, Sigma Oasis. Everybody wants to live. Got Justin Bruce He's on Twitter at just one and Bruce Las Vegas weatherman. He's uh, Brian's annual companion at the Dicks Run. Get okay, number five, Jeff Parker, sweet for Max Brown. Number four, Future Birds, teamwork. Number three, Rose City Band, summer long. Number two, Sturgill Simpson, cutting grass. Number one, Andy Sa- uh, Andy Shaw, neon skyline. She says, come on, baby, try again. Come on, baby, try again. Got Conrad Doucette. He's on Twitter, at Conrad. He joined Twitter in 2007, which is how he got that Twitter handle. <laughs> he helped us out episode number 54, 25 years later. We talked about seeing fish 25 years uh, after his last fish experience, 1994. So he's got for number five, Bob Dylan, Rough and Rowdy Ways. Number four, Royal Green, which is actually the uh, solo project of the Nationalist drummer Brian Devendorf. Number three, Bonnie Light Horseman. Number two, Run the Jewels, RTJ4. And number one, Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Wrapping up our list of community favorite albums. Um, thank you all who continue to participate in this. We're going to continue doing this episode. It's written our contracts every year. We will pause whatever we're doing and we will give you a top albums episode. It is an essential, essential part of at the heart of uh, BTP here. And we want to hear from all of you. So Robert Kerr, Bob Kerr, uh, He's on Twitter in two different places at Bob Kerr and the always updating handle at fish 2000 at 2020. Bob joined us for episode 98, the radio city ghost really excellent episode that we did back in the springtime. Um, if you don't follow Bob, I would encourage you to, he consistently has um, really interesting, really unique takes on music. Uh, he was doing a Dylan deep dive about two months ahead of what I was doing. And I just had a really great time talking with him through, especially 
albums that we find ourselves fascinated by uh, within the mid-1980s, thinking Knocked Out Loaded, uh, thinking Infidels, thinking the evangelical period. Um, From a musical standpoint, Bob is certainly one of those uh, people on Twitter, one of those listeners that I tend to go to if I'm either in a rut and trying to figure out what I want to listen to, um, or if like I need to better understand a record that, um, I'm just not super familiar with. So definitely, definitely worth, uh, fa- fantastic foul. Um, his records, no particular order here, Greg Fote, uh, Symphony Pasique, uh, Waxahachi, St. Cloud, Cahil El Sabar, Cahil uh, El Sabar's Spirit Groove and America the Beautiful. Fantastic, fantastic set of records that Cahil uh, released here in 2020. Uh, Tim Heidecker's Fear of Death. Tim Heidecker is both absolutely hilarious and an incredibly sincere songwriter. Uh, he was recently on uh, Late Era's, uh, I think it was episode five, covering Paul Simon's um, surprise, surprise record. Uh, Tim Heidecker is fantastic and provided one of my favorite moments of comedy relief really, over the last 10 to 15 months. His, his performance as the snotty jazz, uh, uh, weird boyfriend at a dinner party in, um, the show. I think you should leave is one of my favorite skits, uh, of all time. And then finally, uh, Bob listed Sarah Louise, Earth and Its Contents. Sarah Louise is phenomenal, really wild, fascinating artist. Highly recommend listening to her. And then closing this out, our good buddy, we just kept you to the end, dude, so that we you would listen. You're probably the last listener at this point in time waiting for your list, but you are one of our most reliable listeners. You were on one of our very first episodes, our second guest of all time uh, on episode 17, Wilco. It's none other than Josh Carver at Nola Socks. This show is coming out the day after his favorite fish show of all time. 12 14 1995 he's got in no particular order here phoebe bridger's punisher garcia people's nightcaps at wit's end taylor swift folklore chris forsyth he went double here first flight and people's motel band fully representing the output of chris forsyth here in 2020 and mary Lattimore, silver fires So with that, we are going to jump into our top two albums of 2020. Thank you all, dear listeners, for hanging with us here to this point in time. We know that we go extra long in these countdown episodes, but they are so, so, so much fun. So, David, what is your number two album of 2020? My number two album of 2020 is the Rose City Band, Summer Long, and we're going to play the song Wildflowers. Simply put, 
Rose City Band and almost every band featuring uh, featuring Ripley Johnson is a sound I want in my head just every day. Yeah. This was my pandemic helper dog record. This was the equivalent of the big, friendly golden retriever that just comes up to you and smothers you with kindness and love and helps you forget about all the shit going on in the world. I love it. Even my wife loves it. You just put it on, and then Ripley Johnson drives the car like only he can. I think I bought it first digital, then I bought the vinyl, then I bought one of their shirts. So I certainly did my best to help the man out this year. Um, This is essentially kind of like... uh, very Grateful Dead, circa Europe, 72, 1972-73 style record. Even like the last two songs in the record segue into each other. And on the vinyl, there's even like a little arrow. So you kind of know that he's in on the joke. And Wildflowers is the last song on the record. It's in B major. And like all great segue songs are in B major, especially Scarlet Begonia's In the Fire on the Mountain. And I think, as I kind of talked about earlier in the podcast, one of my best memories of the year was, um, I think the last time we took our car out before going into lockdown was in February. So we went to go take it out again in May. And of course, the battery was dead. So we had to get AAA come and jump the car and whatnot. So we just took a mundane drive and did mundane things. I think we ordered some groceries for curbside pickup. I think we just drove around Greenwood Cemetery because neither of us had seen it before. And it was just something to do, something to be in the car and feel somewhat normal. And our soundtrack from doing that was the Rose City Band. The album's 40 minutes long. I think we just played it once and then it got done. We just played it again. Mm -hmm. It's great driving music. It's great background music. It's just the type of like folky, dead-inspired, great music that... I can love without having to think about too much. And that's kind of where my head was at a lot in 2020. That's kind of a great description of the band Wooden Ships, a great description of Moon Duo, which are Ripley Johnson's other bands. They're all great in their own way. They're all uniquely him. And you can love them without having to think about them too much. And sometimes that's exactly what I want. And very much like the first Rose City Band album, um, Summer Long, it's just the first album, but more. I think it's slightly better produced. I think it was even mixed by John McIntyre, which could explain why. It's just what I needed in 2020 very badly. So let's listen to Wildflowers by Rosie. So my number two album was a late arrival for me here in 2020, but it captivated captivated me from moment one, and uh, I've listened to it probably a dozen times since it came out. And um, you know, it's one of those records when you get to this point in the year, you kind of wonder, well, if this record had come out in March, would it have stuck with me? And I think there's enough there. I think that there's enough that um, I would sink my teeth into in the springtime, and it would kind of fade in and out and be there for me throughout the year. So. 
I have it at this point in my list because I just, quite frankly, it's one of those records that uh, the first time I heard it, I just loved it and I just can't stop listening to it. And I think it's a real statement on where I'm hoping to hear music in uh, at this point in life. Uh, and that's Charlie Kaplan's Sunday. Um, you know, if you... One thing I absolutely love right now in music is if you can write a really, really good song and figure out how to make that song go somewhere between seven and 10 minutes, but it doesn't actually feel like it's gone between seven and 10 minutes. But when it wraps up, like you feel like you got everything out of that song that you possibly could. There's a little bit of a jam that's added on to it. There's a big solo. There's a verse that comes back in where you're like, oh my God, wow, we're still in the song. There's really great choruses. That's what Charlie Kaplan's Sunday is. I put on, I put it on, press play, and I feel like I'm hearing songs just like slowly come in and then build to the exact um, peak that they need to go to and uh, slowly wade themselves out and then they're over and it's I've gotten everything I've wanted out of it. Um, it's really loose but it doesn't feel sloppy. Guitars are really heavy in here, but the songwriting is also really incredible. I mean, it just, Charlie Kaplan is a phenomenal young musician, young songwriter. Um, I featured this recently on uh, an episode of The Drop that um, uh, I recorded with RJB, and um, I just, I can't stop listening to it. Um, I'm going to play the song here's snow walk which i know dave mentioned when he featured this record it's uh really in line with kind of what i'm talking about here it's about a 10 minute long track but it doesn't feel 10 minutes it's like a slow 10 minute long track and never in the 10 minutes do you sit there and say okay when is this going to be over when's the next song going to come on just like you're 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 in that vibe for that whole period of time so let's listen to a little bit of snow walk off of charlie kaplan's song Beyond the Pond listeners already heard how I feel about Charlie Kaplan Sunday. It's a fantastic record. So, my number one album, this is a band I've talked about in the podcast before. I know I've talked about this album on the podcast before. In terms of being my number one, it is the album I unquestionably listened to the most in 2020. I don't think anything else came close. It is the album called Omens by the band Elder. And we are going to play the opening title track because God, it just hits you in the fucking face. This is an epic progressive metal masterpiece that I would put on par with many kind of classic rock, prog rock, classic albums of the 70s. I'm thinking Rush's Hemispheres, Pink Floyd's Metal. Yes is close to the edge. It's just, this is an album that if I went to college in, let's say, 1971, I would want to sit on my crappy dorm room bed with huge headphones, take a bong hit, and just like stare at the little red dot on my big stare receiver and say, God damn it, man, I really feel something here. 
This is one of those records that you want to divvy up weed with your friends on the double LP gatefold. So uh, the tag on Elder is that, I mean, they kind of started out as a, like a stoner metal band, a little heavier, a little shriekier in the vocals, kind of each progressive album is kind of veered more prog rock. Uh, their album from 2017, I think it was called Reflections of a Floating World, that even had like some Almonds Brothers elements at some point. Um, they put out an EP last year called the Silver and Gold Sessions, or was the Gold and Silver Sessions actually, I take that back. That kind of veered things more in like a kraut, rocky direction. It was all instrumental. And sort of with the latest album, Omens, it kind of splits the difference between those two in terms of having like the prog metal awesomeness of Reflections, while also incorporating the more airy, instrumental, cosmiche, uh, like Krautrocky elements of the Gold and Silver Sessions. And <clears throat> it's just something that I kept going back to time after time. It only has five songs. They're all long songs. And just the composition within is really very, very impressive. Everything is meticulously composed. Nothing is out of place. And the, the production is also very good. I find with a lot of like the newer crop of like prog metal artists, you can hear that they want to rock the fuck out in the studio and they want to sound heavy and they want it to hear like the hair is flying around. But the production, for some reason, doesn't get there. Whereas in this record, the production, you get to hear exactly what they wanted. It's just what they wanted this to sound like. What they really wanted the heaviness of the studio to come out. And also, I kind of struck up a bit of um, like an Instagram like, like message pen pal correspondence with uh, one of their two guitarists, Melka Risberg, who happens to be a big Fish fan. Also happened to be a, a really cool dude. He recommended a lot of really great prog metal albums to me. So, you know, it's always nice when it turns out that uh, the guys who make up your favorite bands are actually really decent people in real life. So, I can't recommend this album enough. Um, let's listen to the title track, Omens, off of, uh, off of Elder's Omens. By far, my favorite album of, uh, of 2020. All right. So we've talked a lot about what this year meant. It was obviously a very complex, very heavy, very emotional year for a lot of people. Um, on a musical side, clearly there were so many albums that I absolutely loved, so many new artists I discovered, but it all really came back and came down to one artist who has long been within my life, but who... Uh, really defined this year for me musically in a way that he never had before. And that is Mr. Bob Dylan. I've always loved Bob Dylan. I have grown and evolved with Bob Dylan's songs since I first was turned on to him, uh, back in 2004, when I was a freshman in college the song visions, Johanna just like totally captivated me from there. I went through the, 
very standard collegiate 60s phase with him where basically listen to everything from freewheeling through blood or through um uh blonde on blonde started to move into 70s started to dabble in his late era sort of stuff and um now i listen to everything um i spent the summer basically took me about two and a half months listening to his entire discography from Bob Dylan all the way to Rough and Rowdy Ways. My whole rationale for doing this was I realized the first time I heard Rough and Rowdy Ways that this was in line with Time Out of Mind, Oh Mercy, and Blood on the Tracks in the sense that these are these albums that come out 10 years into a wilderness period where Bob Dylan essentially says to fans, critics, whatever, I don't care what you say about me, I'm doing whatever I want to do. And usually people don't like it. <laughs> it's kind of the nature of it. Um, but he doesn't really care. He kind of just goes off on his own, fully dives into whatever creative path he's in. And then he takes whatever lessons came from that period and applies it to a singular album that ends up being a masterpiece. And if you think about Blood on the Tracks, you have this whole Woodstock era, these very sentimental domestic type of songs that lead to blood on the tracks. Oh mercy comes after this great expansion and figuring out what his sounds are going to be throughout the 1980s time out of mind. is kind of a update on, uh, Oh mercy in a sense while taking just like further age and further development for him. And from there he released two classic records, love, uh, love and theft and modern times, before going into another wilderness period. Uh, 2009 to 2016, I think was his last, or no, 2017, triplicate, um, was a period where Bob Dylan really started to explore the American songbook. Uh, Together Through Life, um, the Christmas album, uh, Tempest, his covers of Frank Sinatra tunes, and then Triplicate that came out in 2017. It's a three-disc record of him doing American Standards. And it's Bob Dylan figuring out his voice and his place in the American songbook and really putting a stamp on it. And Rough and Rowdy Ways takes that experimentation and puts it into the uh, Bob Dylan songbook, Bob Dylan now writing the songs, but he's fusing really obscure ideas about American history and really interesting ideas about blues and to Dave's point from earlier, you know, these kind of Psalms from him, these like, uh, songs that are just like meditative for you and really just feel like your elder looking at you and saying, this is what life was like, but this is how it's continued to today and really giving you a really incredible lesson. Um, I contain multitudes, I think is probably the funniest song he's written in 25 or 30 years. Um, and Murder Most Foul, the song that closes out the record, uh, it's still the most affecting moment of the year for me musically. I remember being in bed, jumping on Twitter, seeing that Bob Dylan had released his first song in eight years, which at the time in March, it just felt so crazy that he would have released a song right then. I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And I click on it and it's 17 minutes and I was like, is this incorrect? You know, did they upload three of the same songs? Who knows? And I went on to listen to it and I just was like so many people, uh, just totally blown away. The symbolism, he nailed 
this feeling of where we were already at that point before the pandemic with everything that Donald Trump and the Republican Party have done to destroy America to where we were feeling three weeks into a pandemic that we had no idea when it was going to let up. And I've listened to this record consistently since then. And it threw me down the biggest listening project I had of the year. And I keep coming back to it. And every time I listen to it, I find something about it that um, is, is, is an insight that I look for and I, I expect and I hope for and I want consistently from Dylan. Um, and I, I got to say, last thing I'll say about it, I, I didn't think that we'd have one more of these classics from Dylan. And, and the man is almost 80 years old. And we don't know how much time we have left with him. You know, he's one of those artists that we have no idea if, if we have three years or if we have 10 years or if we have 20 years. We have no idea how long he's going to be Bite with your us. tongue. My point is, whatever happens, I am so, so thankful that we got another one of these records from him. It's so... It's it's another capstone on a career that uh, has gone through so many ebbs and flows, and um, every time you think it's over, it just recreates itself. And I hope that that's what this is in that sense, you know. Um, so I'm so thankful for this record, Bob Dylan's "Rough and Rowdy Ways," my number one record of uh, 2020. I'm gonna play uh, one of the most beautiful songs of the year. I've made about, I've made up my mind to give myself to you and um, just listen for the way that Bob Dylan sings the word Birmingham. It's one of my favorite just like five second moments of the entire year. I'm giving myself to you I am From Salt Lake City to Birmingham From East LA to San Antonio I don't think I could bear to live my life alone all right. Thank you all for hanging with us on uh, this supersized top albums of 2020. Thank you to all of our listeners and all of our friends for spending some time giving us their top fives. We really appreciate all of you out there and everyone listening. We hope that you've discovered uh, some new music uh, to take with you here into 2021. And we also hope that uh, this reaffirmed <clears throat> wherever your list was and, um, you know, maybe gave you some fodder for debate as well. It's always fun to do this sort of stuff. Lists aren't serious. We're just trying to figure out where things have meaning for us in our overall lives. And uh, this is always fun for us to talk through. So we're going to spin this out to a huge Beyond the Pond Top Bombs 2020 playlist. Keep an eye out for that. Um, that should be going live here shortly after the episode does. Just a reminder, we're always on social media, Twitter, at underscore beyond the pond, one word. Or I've got a Medium page, medium.com slash beyond the pond. Of course, there's the Spotify Beyond the Pond podcast song playlist. Over 60 hours at this point. It's quite epic. Of course, Spotify, great for sampling, but you really got to go to Bandcamp and buy the crap out of your favorite artists and their music. If you hear records on here that you like, I would venture probably about 90% of them are available on Bandcamp. So get the to Bandcamp. So in terms of publishing structure, uh, as you all know, we have one more Beyond the Pond episode coming out. Um, that'll come out here in, I believe, a week. We're going to do a big overview, overlook um, 
probably just hang out, drink some beers, talk about music, and uh, walk through kind of memory lane, talk about some things that we've learned about here, run through some weird top five lists. It'll be a fun, uh, kind of casual uh, look back at the podcast as it's been. and um, Viking funeral episode. The Viking funeral episode, absolutely. It, yeah, it's the Viking funeral. We, uh, we've absolutely loved... We absolutely love doing this podcast. Um, we're not going away because we don't love it. We are uh, we're trying to evolve in some ways. So elements of what we've done here on this podcast will continue uh, in the Undermine world. And um, things like this, our top albums episodes, we're definitely going to do these um, going forward because they're just so much fun. And I want to be there with Dave in Nashville at the end of 2029 looking back on the 2020s, wondering what in the hell just happened while still podcasting and knowing what his top albums were as we went through the years. So thank you all for listening. It's been uh, it's been a ton of fun and uh, hope you have a safe end to your 2020, a safe start to 2021. Be there in 2029, hopefully celebrating the midpoint of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, her presidency at that point yes yes absolutely fuck yeah aoc and if you've gotten this far in a super long episode we salute you and applaud you it's really late here on the east coast i hope i'm gonna be able to fall asleep because i'm kind of wired but that's okay i love recording this episode i've loved everything about beyond the pond i love communicating out to you guys and uh, the one episode we have after this is going to be fun. But you know the drill. Come back. We'll hold hands. We'll sing Kumbaya. We'll fight fish myopia. And we will go, as always, beyond the pond. Beyond the Pond podcast is part of Osiris Media and is co-hosted by David Goldstein and Brian Brinkman and it is edited by Brian Brinkman.